Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This episode of the Stardom Cast is sponsored by Puro TV, your one-stop shop for all your Puro DVD needs. From Stardom to New Japan, from All Japan to Ice Ribbon, as well as incredible box sets documenting the best matches of your favourite Japanese wrestling icons, Puro TV has it covered with new items added every week. And now, as a special gift to listeners of the Stardom cast, Puro TV are offering 10% off. Simply go to puro-tv.com, use the promo code STARDOMCAST at checkout and get 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's the code STARDOMCAST to receive 10% off your entire order. The link to their website is in the podcast description. And now, on with the episode. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly and you are listening to the Stardomcast. guys and welcome to the stardom cast your weekly audio source of all things world wonder ring stardom i'm your host rob Gooden. i'm joined as ever by matt turner matt i'd ask you how you were but good god i feel like we're not gonna have time in this episode no and uh, real quickly i just want to because it is the most wonderful day of the year for us pro wrestling fans i am fantastic as always and again, we probably have a, an upwards of a two and a half hour show on deck here, but uh, it is the most wonderful time of the year. So I just want to wish you and all the friends and family of the Stardom cast a happy WrestleMania weekend. I hope everybody enjoys the shows. Um, it is my second favorite day of the year, and uh, I'm really excited for the two cards and the building as well. So uh, the way that WWE has built these two shows up over the last few months, uh, kudos to them because I'm super excited for those shows this weekend. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those where no matter your feelings towards the WWE and no matter whether you watch the product or whatever, you get excited about WrestleMania season. It's like the Royal Rumble. You can parachute into the Royal Rumble. You don't need to know any of the stories or anything going forward. You're just like, oh, such and such is back for the Rumble. Oh, such and such is in the Rumble. And then you can tune out till Mania. Um, uh, but yeah, there is some... Uh, some very, very tasty-looking matchups. Um, obviously, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens taking on the Usos should be very good. Uh, Roman versus Cody, obviously. Um, I know that Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio is also on the card, which uh, should be entertaining. And then, of course, there's the two women's matches, which you know Rhea Ripley and Charlotte are going to 
Absolutely tear it up, as are um, Bianca and Rhea. Not Bianca and Rhea. What am I talking about? Bianca <laughs> and... Um... Oh, my God. we got a lot of show Asuka. folks. Asuka. 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 Come on, now. Oh, Come my we're God. A, we're, we're a stardom Joshi podcast. Come on. <laughs> it's Genuinely, it's because I'm looking at my notes and I've seen Mercedes Monet. Mm-hmm. And all I could think she- then was WrestleMania 37, where it was Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. And I was like, it's not Sasha Banks. It's not Sasha Banks. Who is it? You're right. <laughs> um, but yes, obviously, we have got about 12,000 hours worth of stardom to talk to you about today, as well as an absolute shed load of news as well that's managed to leak out of the stardom verse. Um, uh, but we're going to start, Matt. Um, obviously, earlier this week, we dropped our Alison Danger interview. Um, and I say earlier this week, it was literally yesterday as we record. Um, but I just want to echo what I said on Twitter and say that it was possibly one of the most fun episodes I've ever recorded. Considering we are a stardom podcast, we spent a frighteningly little amount of time actually talking about stardom, but it was so interesting hearing, obviously, about Alison's tour of Japan, um, about the wrestling house, everything Ring of Honor, and all of that stuff from um, her past, and, of course, her time in NXT working with the likes of the Oshirai. It was it was really, really eye-opening, and I can't wait to do it again, Matt. Yeah, I've already gotten tons of positive feedback um, on how much everyone loved the episode. And uh, I did send her a message just to let her know, I'm like, hey, the, you know, the podcast is going up. We're just going to tag you on Twitter. And uh, she said she definitely 100% wants to come back and do the show as we're – I've been sending her some uh, matches from Stardom, some uh, Sherry versus Utami stuff. I may send her the uh, – some of Sayakamitani's white belt reign just so she has something a little familiar to go off and then uh, – once we do that and we hammer out a date, we will definitely have her back on. But yeah, absolute blast. And the feedback we've gotten already as we dropped that podcast again, as we record this, probably about 17, 18 hours ago. And just I've gotten loads and loads of nothing but fantastic feedback. So I'm glad everybody has enjoyed uh, not just uh, the interview we've done with Allison, but the ones we do with Karen Peterson and the ones that uh, the one we did with Kevin Kelly, because there is going to be a lot more interviews coming down the pike. And Rob knows this because uh, if we get 10% of the people that I've sent emails, to in the last three months <laughs> oh boy i'm like hey by the way rob i got this person's contact information i sent him an email i think rob just copy and paste with his response I'm like yeah that's awesome man just uh, let me know what they say so it's uh <laughs> to say that i am uh, super aggressive on trying to get these interviews would be an absolute understatement because i was like even last week i'm like you'll never guess whose uh, business contact information i got like did you send him an email for the podcast sure did buddy sure did so uh yeah i'm glad everybody's liking the interviews because like i said if we can get at least 10 percent of the people that i've been trying to contact with that uh we're just gonna just have more of a ball with these uh with these interviews absolutely um so i feel like that's a pretty good segue let's uh what's coming up on the patreon this week Matt? aside from obviously our else in danger inter- interview which i've also put up for our free listeners as well we have just wrapped up Momo March Madness. Not one, not two, but three episodes have dropped this week. Uh, we have done the alternate commentary of Momo and Starlight Kid challenging Hazuki and Kogama FWC for the Goddess of Stardom Championship from last year at World Climax. Also, the 2018 complete Momo Watanabe Cinderella review. That should be up in your feeds by the time you listen to this. And also... Um, because I'm generally what I think is a nice guy. I gave a bonus episode, another alternate commentary 
from Queen's Fest 2018 as Momo Watanabe challenges Io Shirai for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. And actually, when I did the alternate commentary, um, that's the first time I've actually watched the match on Stardom World. And I kind of just wanted to just throw a little bonus thing on there. And the reason why, spoilers for a match that's five years old, because I've seen this match, I believe, on YouTube, on an Io Shirai comp I have, and a Stardom 2018 comp I have. So what happens is if, if you watch the match on Stardom World, or if you are when you know when uh, you do watch the alternate commentary with me, is that at the end of the match when Io hits the moonsault and pins Momo, her leg is covered in blood. And you don't see it. I don't know why Stardom World cut it off. But again, I think if it's available on that version, the, the longer version is available on YouTube. I'll, maybe I'll put it on my Twitter. But what happens is the ending segment of the match is Io hits the palm strike, tombstone, moonsault. And she catches Momo with this palm strike right in the chin and just busts her wide open. So at the end of the match, after Io pins Momo, uh, Azumi and Hazuki, who are also members of Queen's Quest at the time, basically come in and rush and try to clean up all the blood that's on Momo Watanabe. And Io Shirai cuts this fantastic promo where she basically says, hey, I'm the leader of Queen's Quest, but you three, meaning Hazuki, Azumi, and Momo, if you guys want to get to my level, you really need to pick it up. So not only was like the blood kind of cut off, but that really good promo from Io Shirai. And considering the fact that five years later, Azumi, Momo Watanabe, and Hazuki are doing quite well for themselves. So I think they must have taken the, uh, the you know, the, uh, the GOAT's uh, advice. So, um yeah, so that is uh, what is up on the Patreon. Again, we wrapped up Momo March Madness, which we rolls us, which we rolls us right into April for insane April. Uh, the votes are in. Thank you, everybody who voted. So the biweekly podcast for insane April, which obviously is Kari uh, Sane, Kari or Kari Hojo, whatever you want to call her, themed will be uh, Kyrie's 2017 May Young Classic win as well as Kyrie's uh, complete World of Stardom Championship review. So those will be the bi-weekly podcast coming up on April. But coming up this Monday, I'm so excited to do the alternate commentary with you, my friend, for one of my favorite stardom matches of all time. Probably my favorite match of all time that um, features our subject for the month of April, Kyrie, as Kyrie teams at Mako Satomaro to challenge Mayu Iwatani and Io Shirai, also known as Thunder Rock for the Goddess of Stardom Champions. So that'll be up on your feed uh, this coming Monday. So I'm super excited to call that match with you. And you have not seen it before, folks. Please go and watch it because it's an absolute banger. And also, I did make a mention a few months ago that if we hit over 50 Patreons, I will be doing a complete Sherry World of Stardom Championship review. Um, I know we've hit over 50 probably about two months ago. I've just been so busy. I have not gotten to it. I will have that up by the end of April. Uh, just because, one, I have a, some days coming, you know, with the Easter holiday, and I always take the day after WrestleMania off. So I'll have a little bit of downtime in the month of April. Not only that, if I know if I don't put that episode up and complete it by April, I'm not going to have any time as we roll into the new uh, Patreon, uh, you know, added stuff coming in May. So uh, I appreciate everybody's patience. But, yes, at the end of April, I will have the complete Sherry World of Stardom Championship review up, and that'll be for all tiers the one, the three, and the five dollar tier. And uh, just sort of to tie off all our Patreon stuff, thank you so much for the uh, the positive reaction to uh, some of the rebranding we've already gone through. I spent a couple of hours yesterday just uh, updating the logo and the podcast artwork for the Stardom Cast Extra, uh, making sure that the um, header image matches the schedule. 
um, for the foreseeable future on the Patreon, including what bands and what tiers they're on. That's also pinned to the top. Um, so yeah, go and check it out if you haven't already. Thank you so much for the feedback, and thank you to our newest patrons: Christian Decker, Craig Holder, Sean Montrose, and Corian Ainsley. Corey Ainsley. Cowrie, I'm really sorry if I'm butchering that name. Please let me know on Patreon or on Twitter if I'm butchering that name and how to say it. I think it's Cowrie. Here, here, I'll fill this in. I want to publicly say thank you, Rob, for all the hard work you did on the new Patreon schedule. I mean, the artwork, uh, the slides, everything that you did, I can tell you spent a lot of time doing it. And as always, my friend, I'm not just saying this because you're my friend and you're the the co-host on this podcast. As always, anything you do when it comes to this podcast is always top-notch. So, I just want to publicly say thank you, my friend, because you make me doing this job. It's so much more fun. So thanks, brother. No, not at all. Thank you. Uh, thank you for reinvigorating my love of stardom. We've uh, we've talked about this before. And uh, yeah, I, it's not a job. It's uh, an absolute pleasure doing this. And obviously uh, the support we get is a huge contributing factor to our love for this. We, you know, the positive feedback we get is absolutely incredible. Um, let's talk about some news then, because good Christ, there was quite a lot of news coming out of stardom and perhaps none bigger than the fact that we have our IWGP women's championship match for Sakura Genesis on the 8th of April. We'll, of course, do a little bit of a preview for that next week. But the match, originally we thought it was going to be a mercedes Monet versus Azumi. Um, that seemed to have been the, re- the widely reported match. However, we did talk last week about how Hazuki wanted a shot at this belt before Mayu Iwatani gets um, the shot at Yokohama. And it turns out that we have a three-way at Sakura Genesis. So it'll be Mercedes Monet, the champion, making her first defense of the belt um, against both Hazuki and Azumi. Um, Matt, how do we feel about this match? Are we excited? Um, And do we think that Mercedes Monet is going to retain Probably, but what do you think? Um, I know last week I said I'd rather choose singles matches. However, I, this is going to be an absolute banger. Um, I guess my only concern is if something gets messed up in the ring, like the language barrier, it might be the point where Hazuki would just boot Mercedes in the head and throw her out of the ring, and you'll see a mini match with the Zumi and Hazuki. However, me being the positive person I am, I don't feel any of that's going to happen. I think these three ladies are going to absolutely blow it out of the water and it's just really nice obviously a lot of eyes are going to be on this show especially over here in the states because one sasha banks slash mercedes monet is in the match so for me it does my heart good that not only we're going to see a lot more eyes on azumi but hazuki as well and i've had a lot of my uh, wwe uh, friends and fans that uh said hey you know we don't know too much about this stardom we're obviously going to watch because you know sasha mercedes is one of our favorite wrestlers what can we expect um, without you saying 5,000 words, what can we expect in this match? And my overall response is uh, high-speed violence. I-, I think I would be correct in saying that, would I, my friend? Absolutely. I think uh, for anyone that watched the Cinderella tournament, we had a five-minute sort of snippet of what we might be able to expect. So, uh, yeah, it's it's very, very exciting, um, the idea of these three going at it. Um, I am going to quell that excitement a little bit, um, in a moment, but is there anything else you want to add about your thoughts on this match? I mean, I assume we are both on the same 
wavelength when it comes to who is going to come out on top. There's there's not a chance that Mercedes Monet drops this belt before Yokohama, is there? No, obviously the big. It's a, I mean, it's a dream match for anybody that's an absolute purist of wrestling, especially women's wrestling. I think one of the biggest dream matches, without getting into DeLorean. There, uh, if you have a DeLorean reference on your bingo, uh, Sardomcast bingo card, pencil in, <laughs> folks. Without you getting into a DeLorean, I think is Mayu versus uh, Mercedes. Obviously, Mayu has been the flag bearer of uh, Japanese women wrestling for the last seven or eight years. Where uh, again, Sasha uh, Mercedes has been one of the flag bearers for. Uh, women's wrestling over in the states for the last you know six or seven years so to have these two meet on what is going to be the biggest stardom show of all time and uh judging by where i've already seen the pre-sale tickets already this thing's going to sell a ton but that's obviously the uh the big match to draw so um as much i would not be heartbroken to have azumi versus mayu or hazuki versus mayu i mean it's literally a once in a lifetime match so yeah i agree with you my friend yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, you know, despite Mercedes doing this run with New Japan, which I think is great, um, I do expect eventually for her to either rejoin the WWE or go to AEW, um, one of the bigger American promotions. But whilst we've got Mercedes Monet doing this, why not utilize it? And to be honest, Matt, we might as well jump ahead a couple of uh, items on the news just to talk about those tickets for the Yokohama Arena, and as you've already mentioned, it is selling incredibly well. So um, center seat A and center seat B, those are all sold out. Uh, the front row seats are all sold out. The female-only seats um, in A and B are sold out, as are all of the under-25 seats. Those are the cheaper ones at 3,000 yen. Uh, all of the family seats are sold out. Um, we have a few remaining for wheelchair access, and then um, the Arena B, which is the voice out prohibited area, which I presume is where uh, you are not allowed to cheer. Um, they are also sold out. So, uh, whatever Sardom are doing in putting together a card for this show, and we've got some more matches to add to that, of course. Um, as we get on through this podcast, um, it seems that people are very, very excited. And I do expect a decent number at the Yokohama Arena come the 23rd of April, Matt. Yeah, again, I'm not sure what this building scaled down to, but I know back in the 90s when uh, All Japan and All Japan Women's would run, I think it was over 16,000. And if I'm incorrect, please you know, correct me. So I don't know what the building is, if it's scaled down or if they're going to do a fancy, you know, entrance way or whatever. We just know that all those uh, areas are sold out. So if anybody has a rough estimate on how many tickets that they're sold, by all means, please, you know, tag me and Rob uh, or DM us, and we will definitely give you a shout out on the podcast because I'm always intrigued by any wrestling company or really any any sports venue on when tickets are selling because uh, it just shows you, you know, what's working, what's not working. So whatever Stardom has been doing over the last two or three weeks, which obviously we have a Stardom podcast, so we know what they've been doing, we know what's working, and clearly this is all piggybacking on Tam Nakano winning the red belt. So uh, thank you, Tam, <laughs> for the house. So uh... <laughs> yes, yes, it's very much a case of uh, Tam drawing these numbers. Um, Purple looks good with red, brother. Purple looks good with red. <laughs> We've got some stuff actually to talk about, sort of going off what we were talking about last week on Julia and Tam actually, which. Uh, I think you're going to find quite interesting. Um, I said I was going to quell the excitement around the IWGP 
ATP Women's Championship match. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you know this. Um, but our friend on Twitter, at BowlingJD, the Red Leaf Retrocast, um, he sort of clipped um, a section out of the Wrestling Observer and uh, it reads thusly, expect very limited women's wrestling on the Japanese shows. The IWGP women's title is to be defended on big shows, but Gado is in charge of New Japan booking and doesn't have an interest in women's wrestling right now. Takaki Kidani wants women on the big show because it hopefully makes new fans for stardom and increases interest outside of Japan, and they have the feeling the US shows needs a women's match, although no women have been announced for the Washington DC show. So... A couple of things, obviously, to uh, to pick out from that. That sort of knowledge that Gado isn't huge on the idea of women's wrestling, and this, at least the impression I get, this entire IWGP Women's Championship is something that has been pressed on him against his will. It might explain, or it might go some way to explaining the shorter time limit that Kyrie and Tam were given at Wrestle Kingdom uh, 17, um, I don't know how that will affect the match we've just been talking about, Sakura Genesis. Um, this match isn't the semi-main. I believe it's fifth from the top or fourth from the top. So even though it is a championship match, it's not obviously held in the same regard as the other championship match. I think the tag titles, I think it's Bisherman and Aussie Open um, are on after Mercedes, Hazuki, and Azumi. So it doesn't sound great coming out of that. Obviously, it's been the entire concept is to try and build interest in stardom, according to Meltzer's report, um, if you're Kidani anyway. Um, we said last week, actually, that we thought it was interesting that the championship wasn't being advertised for the upcoming New Japan shows in Washington and Philadelphia. Um, but it... <laughs> That could change, obviously, with the uh, with the result of this match from Sakura Genesis. But uh, had you seen this report before, Matt? And what are your thoughts on it? I briefly read it. I try to stay away from anything negative, wrestling or life related. That's just the you know the way that I am. But I mean, you know, let's take a look at the the, the let's go as positive on this as we possibly can, right? Okay, so. Say, I don't think they're going to give, Mercedes Monet is going to call her own shots. There's one of the reasons why she signed this deal with Stardom in New Japan is she's going to have somewhat creative control over her matches. So if they tell her she's got five minutes for this match, she's going to be like, no, I'm going to have 10. And that's that, right? She's the the biggest star on that show. And that's all due respect to Okada, Tanahashi, and anybody else because the WWE umbrella, which she was a main eventer in for so many years, goes worldwide, right? So here's another thing. Say they only have five or six minutes for this match, which would be an absolute crime. Do you want your five or six-minute match to have anybody better than Hazuki and Azumi in it? I mean, they are just blistering on what they do. They they can go and tell a good story in five or six minutes. I don't think they're going to have that least amount of time, but if it does get cut short... You have two of the best wrestlers in the history of the high-speed wrestling uh, division in there to do it. So regardless if they have five minutes or ten minutes, I think it's going to be a banger. Uh, as far as Ghetto, clearly, obviously, he does not have a huge foothold for women's wrestling. He's been, I mean, arguably the best booker in wrestling you know, the last 10, 11 years, really, ever since he took over the book in 11 and two, you know, uh, 2012. What he's been able to do you know, with New Japan 
over the last 10 years has been absolutely out, it's outstanding. Uh, I mean, the, the shows are great. They're drawing money. They've done a pretty decent job over here in the States. I know last year you went to a show over there in England, which I believe drew pretty well. So he knows what he's doing. However, I really feel, and I don't think anybody's going to disagree with me, I really feel he's missing a boatload of the audience by not featuring more women's matches and, and putting more of a spotlight on the women wrestling, you know, over there. I mean, they have it. I mean, you literally have a working deal with the best women's wrestling company in the world, Stardom. I mean, why can't you pluck three, four, five, six women for one of your bigger shows and put them in a tag, you know, have a tag match, have a singles, have a six-person tag? I mean, I really think he's missing the boat there to get more eyes on the product. But that's just me. Yeah. So if I were to push you and were to say, is this match going to get under or over 10 minutes or 10 on the nose, where are you going? I'm going to say 10. And if I am wrong, if it goes 10 minutes exact or below, I will buy you a beer, Rob Goodwin. So how about that? We'll add it to the tab. Um... (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot there, buddy. Your liver better be prepared. (laughs) WrestleMania weekend next weekend, next year. Um, Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm quietly hopeful that A, with it being a triple threat, B, with it having Mercedes Monet in it, I feel like you don't just throw a match with Mercedes. If you're New Japan and you know the draw that Mercedes Monet is, I feel like you're not just going to chuck it away for a five, six minute match. Um, I think if Kyrie were still the champion, we would be having a very different discussion. I think that match would get under 10. I don't think there's anyone that would argue that um but i am quietly hopeful you hit the nail on the head when you said that if it is going to be a short match who better to take that short match by the horns and take it for a great ride than hazuki and azumi i mean as i've already mentioned they sort of showed a very small snippet of what they can do together in the cinderella tournament um on sunday so yeah we'll we'll be positive um we'll obviously give a full review and things like that and we'll uh we'll have a look a bit more in depth um next week on the podcast um sticking with the iwgp women's championship it does look like sorry i think it's sorry or sorry i can never say it right i'm gonna go with sorry if it's wrong you are tell me. you are uh, if, he, if he's wrong rob is sorry see what i did there Honestly, mate, fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in an interview, um, Rati Ogawa said that if Sari wants to challenge for the IWGP women's title, she should come to a stardom show and express her determination. So it does look like she's at least in the conversation. Um, I would argue that this will be post-Yokohama. Obviously, um, just before the pandemic, we were supposed to have Mayu Itani versus Sari um, before Sari got picked up by um, the WWE and was then replaced with um, oh, her name. Takumi. Takumi Arauha. Thank Takumi. you. I was going to say Inaba, and I was like, no, that's not right. Um, <laughs> Takumi Arauha in an absolutely fantastic match. Um, so I wonder if, if, as I sort of predict, that Mayu takes the belt from Mercedes Monet at Yokohama, it would not surprise me if Sari comes out after the match to be the first challenger to the belt. 
Ooh, yeah, you can play off that storyline from two years ago. Good call, buddy. It's just, it, it makes sense. Um, and then we can, you know, we can go with whatever we want now that um, Mike Wiwatani's contract is sorted. Obviously, she'll be going all around the world and defending it, but it'll be interesting to see who is the first challenger because I do see it being sorry. If it, if it wasn't going to be sorry, she wouldn't have been mentioned at all. Um, one person it could have been um, had the big creative shift in WWE not happened uh, is Dakota Kai because according to Dave Meltzer, and this is courtesy of uh, Peps Wrestling, at P underscore wrestling, Dave Meltzer reported that Dakota Kai actually had a deal in place with Stardom before Triple H brought her back. Um, And Io Shirai was also apparently close behind her. So uh, in the words of Peps on Twitter, we were so close. Um, to Couldn't have... wait two more weeks. Couldn't wait two more weeks, could you, Trips? Couldn't wait two more weeks to take over. You know, damn it. <laughs> Honestly. Um, <laughs> I mean, with the greatest respect to Dakota Kai, obviously she's a you know a former stardom champion, artist of stardom champion as Evie. Um, she's challenged for the high-speed belt against Mayu Iwatani. So, you know, she's she's been in stardom, done the big matches. But if Io Shirai had come back, Oh my life. And to know, I think it's worse now that we know that we were so close to getting her back. I mean, you know, there's people who've said, oh, she lost again on Monday. Yeah, she also had 20 minutes on screen on Raw on the go home to WrestleMania and is wrestling at WrestleMania. So it's really not that bad. But um, I feel if Vince was still in charge. EO would be in stardom right now, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I touched upon this when all those rumors were going crazy back in August, back before you came on the podcast. And I even when I was doing my preview of the uh, the five star, I even just kind of booked, my, just you know, booked what, what if Sherry wins the five star and then EO comes back and then it's like Sherry challenges EO, like you know she's the champion, she won the five star, I get to pick my opponent. Well, I want to be the best ever. I'm uh, I'm picking EO. That that obviously will probably be part of our what if uh, segment for the uh, <laughs> what if EO came back. But yeah, I, it seems like we were we were so so close. And and I know there's a lot of people that were so upset that she came back. And folks, I I don't need to tell you, and I don't need to sell Rob on this. I'm the biggest EO Shirai fan in the world. But you have to understand, she's definitely making more money in WWE. She's not wrestling those 20 25 minute matches with Mayu where she's getting dropped on her head in front of like 1,200 people. Uh, she's wrestling a much safer style, making way much more money. She definitely loves, you know, what's going on over there in America. I believe she's opened up like a jiu-jitsu school or is like part owner of like a jiu-jitsu school in, in Orlando or something like that. So, again, you, you know, kudos to her. Let her do what she wants. She's definitely earned it. But I remain optimistic that I think she'll be back in stardom sometime. Usually when they, they re-sign people, they re-sign them for two or three years, but they may have the option to opt out. So maybe she just wanted to sign for one more year to get that big uh, that big WWE money and then maybe come back to stardom. I think it's eventually going to happen. I think she's only 32, 33 years old. So I think eventually we will see EO back in the WWE. But yeah, just knowing we were so close, it was like, oh, come on. But at the same time, you know, the stardom roster is insanely loaded. So not that big of a heartbreak. Well, that's sort of, that's going to sort of piggyback on my next point because it's also been announced that Kyrie's stardom contract has actually expired and she's a freelancer again. Um, I, I don't just 
to sort of nip this in the bud, I fully expect her to still do stardom events, but she will be cropping up in other in other areas. Um, looking at Kyrie's run, are you? How do you think they've done the stardom higher ups? How do you think they've booked Kyrie, and how would you grade this latest run from Kyrie? I'm actually shocked that on the uh, the Patreon, that was one of the uh, the options. Is I was going to review Kyrie's 2022 run. I'm like, this is going to be a clear winner, and it <laughs> didn't even do the plot, the top two. And I was really looking forward to going back and watching it just for that reason, Rob. Um, I wish she had more matches. Um, I'm sure everybody does. I wish she was in the five star. I wish they would have done more with her and Saya because now we're not sure what's going on with Saya and the white belt. They never completed that story. They never completed the, hey, you, her and Utami at Dream Queendom went to a draw. And Utami's saying, hey, I want a shot at the IWGP uh, belt. You know, that story just kind of obviously with her losing to Mercedes fell by the wayside. Um, I, I agree. I think she's going to do freelance stuff. Um, I don't think she's going to go back to the WWE. Uh, I think you may see her maybe even pop up in AEW from time to time just to do a few shows. But I don't see her leaving Japan to go back to America uh, full time. That's one of the reasons why she came back to Japan is uh, to get married and uh, you know to come back home. But uh, the booking with her, again, I thought it's been really good. I mean, she hasn't. I mean, I guess technically she's lost one match in stardom. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about that as we get to closer to the two-hour portion of this uh, <laughs> this podcast, Rob. But she hasn't been pinned, and I thought all of her matches she had was really good. You know, her teaming up with Mayu in the return, uh, her match with Mayu in the finals of the IWGP tournament was fantastic. Her match with Saya was great. Her match with Tommy was great. Um, her uh, match with Starlight Kid was really, really good. There's just a lot left on the table. Like, obviously, when we want to see the Julia match, we want to see the, uh, the, the Mayu match in proper stardom. I think that's a matchup that everybody wants to see. Uh, the Momo Watanabe match, that's at the top of my list. And I would like to see her kind of almost doing what uh, Nanai Takahashi is doing with working with the younger talent. Like, I would love to see her her and Mayu team up to go up against, like, maybe a Wingori, you know, something like that on a Cork and Hall show. So, obviously, I mean, she's going to pick and choose where she wants to wrestle. But I don't think anybody can deny that when she's in the ring, or even not in the ring, when she cuts the curtain, she gives nothing less than an A++++ effort. I mean, they really get their money's worth out of her. Um, again, I just, her contract's up. I would just like to see her do more stardom shows. You've actually brought up what is my point, um, or my main point with this. Um, her match with Mayu, fantastic. I really enjoyed her match with Saika Matani, a match with Utami, and a match with Starlight Kid. Um, would I like to have seen her wrestle more? Yes, absolutely. But if she wrestles more, she loses that sort of star attraction gimmick. Um, my only thing is, who has she put over since she come back? That's my only sort of negative about the entire Kyrie run. And I know that, you know, she can choose, you know, she's a big star, she can choose. But if you look what Nene Takahashi's done, and as sort of hesitant as I was when Nene came back and she was suddenly in a red belt match, she's the goddess of Storm Tag League winner, she's won the tag belts. You cannot deny that so many people have benefited from being in the ring with Nene Takahashi. 
from Lady C to Miyu Amasaki to especially Wakasuki Yama. Nene has done more for the lower card talent, no disrespect meant, of stardom than I think anyone was expecting. And, you know, spoilers again, if you're listening to this, you know we're going to be talking about New Blood Premium. But to get rolled up clean by someone who hasn't won in 170-odd matches, you know, considering you've only been pinned once in stardom up to that point, and then to call out that person as your rival, Wacker's instantly sort of catapulted up that card. And I feel like Kyrie, maybe not with someone like a Wacker, but certainly with Saya Kamatani, I feel like she wouldn't have lost anything losing clean to Saya Kamatani. I feel like if you were going to do a time limit draw with Saya Kamatani, you need another match. But obviously with her contract expiring and with her doing freelance and therefore potentially less stardom shows than she's already doing, I feel like ultimately irrelevant of how good the in-ring quality is because that's undeniable. Was it a bit pointless? I might, you know, I'm just sort of thinking out loud, Matt, but do you see my point? I 100% see your point, and I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I'm just going to kind of counteract with this. And this is, again, this is what's great about wrestling. It's, you know, it's all subjective. I totally see your point, but you're comparing Kyrie to Nanai. Nanai is 43, 44, still has a lot left in the tank. I mean, geez, if you can wrestle until you're 60, by all means, but she's kind of on that point of her career that that's her spot right now is to get the younger talent over and ready. And she's done an A job. And uh, I mean, when you look at these shows that we're going to, pretty much lightning round review i mean literally you can say the stardom roster just insanely stacked i'm like oh my god you literally can put saida in any wrestling uh women's wrestling company in in north america and she's instantly better than 80 85 of the roster but like that's the nice spot right now is to get the younger talent oh and i want to see a saida versus the nice singles match please um i just booked that in my head uh <laughs> stardom but Kyrie, who's significantly younger, coming off a pretty successful run with the biggest wrestling company in the world, I don't think she's at that point in her career yet where she needs to be putting the younger talent over. And by any, by no means, by what I mean by putting them over is by eating pinfalls. Well, I think everybody benefited from being in the ring with her, whether it was a Utami, a Starlight Kid, a Miyu Amasaki uh, that was kind of picked for that match, um, you know, a, a Tam. Uh, again, obviously, I wish their match at the Tokyo Dome was much longer. I think that because they got more eyes on them. So I think they benefited in that way. So I see your, you know, I totally see your point of view and see where you're coming from. But I just don't think Kyrie's at that point in her career where she needs to kind of be doing what Nanai has, has been. Fair enough. I'd love to hear actually what our listeners, our patrons, and people on our Discord actually think of Kyrie's run. Um, just, you know, on an in ring. Um, from an in-ring standpoint and also from a booking standpoint. I'd love to know what people would do differently or what they keep the same and, you know, vice versa. Um, let's look ahead to Yokohama. And um, uh, thank you to at Glorious Royals on Twitter who uh, translated part of, at least, the Tokyo Sports interview that Tam Nakano gave. Um, and it reads thusly, Tam Nakano is frustrated because she is consistently top two in merch sales, was voted third most popular in the stardom general election, whilst Julia wasn't even in the top ten. 
and because Julia's first two championship defences have been against her former ice ribbon peers Suzu Suzuki and Mai Yukihi instead of full-time stardom talents. Tam also claims to be a better faction leader because DDM has stagnated since Natsupoi left, while she won the Goddess of Stardom at Championships with her immediately and helped Waka get her first win. I feel like that's up for debate, but there we go. Tam then says if she becomes champion, she will raise everyone's salary by proxy of her selling a ton of merchandise after winning the Red Belt. Um, Julia has come back to this and basically said... <laughs> it boils down to yeah well Tam's got plastic surgery because she's got that desperate need for people to think she's pretty and cute um, so that's the two sides to the argument um, uh, do you think Tam has a point Matt well of course you do because you're a huge Tam fan <laughs> but you know taking your huge Tam fandom your Tamdom out of it for a second do you like where they're going with this uh, obviously, I'm a huge fan of Julia as well. Yes, I am a giant fan of... Uh, I do walk the uh, the Tam Road, if you will. Hashtag <laughs> Tam Road. Um, yeah, I mean, you kind of see your point if she's top in merchandise and top this and top that. And I, and I heard rumors, and I know me and you were discussing it. We were trying to put it up on the podcast. We were trying to find um, if it was true or not. But from what I understand, her merchandise sold out faster than anybody else at Wrestle Kingdom. And, uh, you know, again, we were looking for factual information, and we never reported it just based on because we want it you know we don't we try not to report in rumor and innuendo we tried to report in facts so we, we couldn't find it but uh yeah tam and you can even see it in the crowd when tam comes out for a match there's a lot of tam towels a lot of tam shirts um so you kind of see your point as always with business as hot as it is in stardom you got to go with the hot hand so you, you know tam almost kind of lobbying to the uh the, the stardom accountants if you will of <laughs> that like Hey, I'm, you know, top of this, top of that. I'm selling more merchandise. And if I win the red belt, uh, obviously, you know, wrestlers get paid off a portion of the gate. If I win the red belt, it's going to make more money for the company, which means make more money for everybody underneath me. I mean, you would always hear those stories back in the 80s when the WWF would run two shows. Everybody wanted to be on Hogan shows because uh, Hogan was drawing more money. And the same thing in the 90s with the Austin shows. So it's like, yeah, I see where Tam's coming from with that. Um is she a bigger star going to draw more money than Julia? I don't know because I just see Julia as such a huge, huge megastar. I mean, I think we all saw this Red Belt uh, run coming, you know, six, seven months away. Even you probably even longer since you've been watching Stardom longer is uh, how well they've just been pushing her. And I mean, and she's, you know, hit a home run. Um, but as far as Julia's rebuttal, I don't think she needed to go there. That, that's just not being a, me being a huge Tam fan. I thought that was a little low. But at the same time, Jerry Jarrett would always say personal issues draw money. And they're going to try to draw as much money as they can come on uh, the Yokohama show. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think Tam walks out of Yokohama as the Red Belt champion. Um, much as you know, she does shift merch. It's it's about more than that, I think. Um, and I feel like they they have wanted Julia on top of this company for a long time. Um, I feel like they've had to wait. A little bit longer with Julia's injury in 2021. Um, I do feel like she was probably going to be crowned at the end of um, 2021 had she not got injured and had they not captured lightning in a bottle with the Suri and Utami feud. But yeah, now that they've got there, now that Julia is over with the crowd, now that she's putting on banger after banger after banger, um, I don't see them taking the belt off her 
anytime soon, irrelevant of whether it's against her rival in Tamna Corner or whether it's against Mayu Iwatani or whether it's against Utami. I can't see Julia dropping it until at least the end of the year. And that does that does depend heavily on who wins the five-star, um, which I'm looking forward to talking about because this Cinderella tournament has thrown just everything, <laughs> everything into complete disarray. Um, final thing I just want to talk about um, is that Natsuka Tora is making an appearance on Netflix um, on a show called Ariyoshi Assists, which, according to the Netflix description, is a Japanese comedy variety show where Hiroiki Ariyoshi, nailed it, assists a different celebrity MC in every episode. Presumably, presumably Natsukatora is going to be a celebrity MC. So, uh, yeah, keep your eyes out for that. There's no date at the moment, I don't think, uh, for when she's actually going to be on that show. But, uh, yeah, if you're a big... Uh, Ariyoshi assists fan watch it and tell us tell us what it's like um but yeah that's all the news i told you there was a lot um we've gone nearly 45 minutes we haven't even talked about a show yet um so yeah i'd love to know like i said before i'd love to know what your thoughts are in the collected stardom cast verse about uh about the news about the IWGP women's title and where it sits on the gado totem pole and obviously about Kyrie as well but let's start delving into these shows. Now, obviously, the main portion of this podcast is going to be talking about um, the doubleheader at Yokohama Budokan, um, the New Blood Premium show from the 25th of March, and the Cinderella tournament opening round from the following day, the 26th. However, between last week's podcast and this week, this week's podcast, there's been about 23 shows uploaded. Um, now, with the greatest will in the world, I simply could not watch them all in time for this podcast. I, I just couldn't. Matt, however, apparently doesn't need sleep like a normal human being. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to run very, very briefly through each of these cards. Um, sort of give you the date, the show and the place. And then Matt's going to sort of give you what matches you need to check out from those shows. So with that, we are going to start way back two weeks ago uh, on the 16th of March, uh, the show from Osaka ATC Hall, and that was main evented by the eight-woman tag match. Uh, God's Eye, Amisori Mirai, Suri and Konami defeating the Oweretai team of Momo Watanabe, Natsukatora, Ruaka, and Starlight Kid in 16 minutes and 24 seconds. Um, Matt, what should people be uh, checking out on this show? Um, I'm going to say this quite often because there's a lot of shows to go through. Uh, anything with Mina Shirakawa and Mariah May tagging up, watch. Um, I know, you know, we've kind of said if Mina doesn't win the white belt, where does she go from here? I'm literally saying if she doesn't win the white belt, I think her and Mina need a tag run. So anything with Mina and Mariah May, please go and watch. I think that they're gelling as a tag team, considering the fact they've only been teaming for three months has been outstanding. And also, if there's a match that you want to talk to me about in uh, long form, just uh, send me a DM because, yes, I am insane, and I've watched all the other six or seven shows that were posted in the last six or seven days. So, uh, yeah, anything with Mina and Mariah May is really good. Um, let's see, the uh, the Julia versus Himika match was really, really good. Uh, I had that one at four stars. 
Another match I had at four stars was Azumi Sayakamatani and Utami. Queen's Quest taking on Hazuki, Han, and Koguma. That was really good. I would go out of the way to see that. Uh, Meltier versus Mike and Mei Sakurai was really good. These, these shows were phenomenal. Like they could have put some of these shows on like a pay-per-view and I would have paid for them. They were that good. And uh, yeah, the main event, uh, the eight-person tag was really good. But uh, I would definitely go see Julia versus Himika and uh, Queen's Quest versus Stars. Um, definitely go all your way to see those two matches. Okay, let's move on to the 18th of March, which was a special day because it was Mai Wibutani's return to Yamaguchi. And this show is obviously called the Mai Wibutani Triumphal Return uh, from the KDDI Ishin Hall in front of 741 people. Um, this, of course, was main evented by a match that I have actually watched, and I forgot to mention this earlier, Matt. Um, the six-woman tag, the stars team of Azuki Kagame and Mai Wiwitani, obviously empowered by the return of streamers for one night only, uh, defeating the Oeda tag team of Natsuka Tora, Saki Kashima, and Starlight Kid in 17 minutes and one second. Aside from the main event, which you should absolutely check out, it is one of genuinely even including the two pay-per-views that we're going to be talking about in long form. I would argue this match is one of the better matches of this entire run of shows we're going to be talking about, Matt. Yeah, uh, first of all, the streamers, obviously, nice touch. And the fact that streamers are back for the first time in three years, streamers were thrown at the icon, the most beloved wrestler in the history of stardom, Mayu, in her hometown. And the fact that after the streamers got thrown, she got jumped which uh, I don't like to swear on this podcast, but what a bunch of assholes. Like, and again, that's what, that's their job. They're that, it's a way to tie. They're the big heels. And I was like, really? What a bunch of assholes. What a bunch of dicks. Why would they do that? My God, that's, it's a way to tie. They can get away with it. Um, but uh, aside from that, yeah, the match was really good. And the other match to, uh, you're going to go out of your way to watch one other match on the card. Definitely watch the eight person tag match between the Cosmic Angels slash Club Venus team of Poi, Tam, Mina, and Mariah May versus Queen's Quest team of Miyu Amasaki, Izumi, Yutami, and Saya Kamatani. As, uh, boy, we're going to be talking about Miyu Amasaki quite a bit because as if the stardom roster wasn't loaded enough between what she did on the two pay-per-view shows and what she did in these 84 shows that were posted in between. So all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, Miyu Amasaki's like, you know what? I want to become really, really, really good uh, on the stardom roster as well. But uh, And you'll see Flash the Brilliance in that match. So definitely um, go and watch that match as well. Talking about Miyu Amasaki, we're going to move to the following day, the 19th of March, which was from the absolutely beautiful KBS Hall in front of uh, 570 people. And the reason we're talking about that is because we had another one of Nene Takahashi's passion injection matches and this was against Miyu Amasaki when 14 minutes and 28 seconds Nene obviously won but in that match I felt like we saw a side of Miyu Amasaki I've been crying out for she's got you know those flashes but I thought here she started to really 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 put it together and then across New Blood Premium and especially her match in the Cinderella tournament as well I feel like we're, we're starting to see a huge jump and improvement in Miyu Amasaki. And over the course of these shows, I would argue she's in the top three for MVP, without a shadow of a doubt, Matt. Yeah, she looked really good here. And the one thing that drives me crazy with any, any wrestlers, you throw terrible forearms. I mean, I throw a lot of forearms. Mitsuhara Misawa is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. 
I mean, he throws forms that would knock out King Kong. When I see somebody throwing weak forms, I'm like, oh, come on. And Miyu Amasaki, up until really this match, she throws some of the weakest forms I've ever seen. I'm like, you can't break an egg with that forearm. I'm like, literally, Yuji Nagata comes and teaches classes from time to time at the Stardom Dojo. You can't take Miyu Amasaki's side for 10 minutes and show her how to throw a forearm. But she really, really had to earn it here uh, with this match with uh, Nanai Takahashi. Not only that, but again, we, you know, we talked about it last week, how Stardom really isn't known for their promos. They had a really good promo afterwards where, uh, you know, the whole, the whole passion thing and uh, kind of piggybacking off what you said just a few minutes ago, where Nanai Takahashi, her job is to come in and get the younger talent over. And oh boy, I would say other than what, what we're going to talk about in the Cinderella, this was her best match ever. And uh, the fact that she probably had like two back-to-back best matches she's ever had, it really just shows you on the upswing that she's going to be. And I'm really excited to see where her career is going to go. But uh, yeah, that match was... Uh, was fantastic and they really laid into each other um you want me to give me my other uh recommendations for this show there good sir of course if you like high speed wrestling check out azumi versus starlight kid versus saki kashima versus koguma and don't blink because that match goes under nine minutes and it's literally like just four way high speed match with all a whole bunch of crazy crazy stuff uh, that was an excellent match the um meltier versus himika and julia that was awesome and obviously that's the uh the match where, um, Ju- excuse me, Tam cuts Julia's hair. But there's like, obviously, if you've seen their matches before, which we have, their matches get very, very violent, especially the last two matches, the five-star final and the hair versus hair match at the uh, at the Budokan uh, Hall show. And usually when they have tag matches, you kind of see like a little bit of that violence. This A lot of this stuff was like, disgusting, like in the best way possible. And uh, I, you didn't see this match yet, did you, Rob? I haven't seen this one now. Definitely watch Meltier versus Himika and Julia because, I mean, obviously Natsupoi and Himika are great. The tag stuff Meltier does is really great. Himika and Julia, who really aren't a tag team, their stuff is really good. But a lot of the matches focus around uh, Julia and Tam. And I don't want to spoil it any of it for you because you do. And if you have, I know you haven't seen it, buddy. I don't know. And if uh, with the listeners, if you haven't seen it, go and watch. If you like what they do with the stiff slaps and just the pure violence that they do. And uh, obviously it's probably what we're going to get, what we're going to get at Yokohama is, you know, they're not going to be doing a lot of head scissors and uh, wrist locks. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, definitely go and watch this match because it just builds towards uh, the finish of what we know what happens with Tam cutting Julia's hair and cutting that epic, ep- epic promo. So definitely go out of your way to watch that one. And then, um, you can probably go and watch Lady C. Utami and Sai Kamatani versus Mirai, Amisori, and Shiri. I mean, you literally have Queen's Quest versus uh, God's Eye. That one was really, really good. I just It went less than 12 minutes. I wish it would have went a little more time, but that was really good. But yeah, buddy, when you get uh, an extra 15 minutes out of your day from writing your 84 books, definitely go and watch <laughs> that Meltier versus Himika and Julia match. I will definitely do that. Um um, then finally, in this run of shows, um, we move to Hamamatsu, Act City Hamamatsu, to be precise, from the 21st of March in front of 610 people. Um, the first thing to note is Stardom did really good numbers across those two shows. That show from KBS Hall has um, outdrawn both the Dragon Gate shows that have taken place there this year so far. So good numbers for stardom across the board for these shows. Um, but this was main evented by the Donna Del Mondo team of Julie Himmick and Micah and May Sakurai defeating the Uedatai team of Momo Watanabe, Nats Katora Ruwaka and Saki Kashima in 12 minutes and 30 
0.1 seconds. Um, Matt, I think the first thing or another thing to point out, should I say, is that Rossi clearly knew that a lot of draws were going to be happening over this weekend and held off until oh, this boy. show. I didn't even think about it. You just blew my mind, brother. <laughs> um, held on until this show to give us our first time limit draw of the run. Uh, yeah, uh, first note, Utami Lady C. We thought that it was retired. It was back for this match. Holy Demon Army finish <laughs> happened in this match. I literally wanted to note that. I know we were going to fire through these shows pretty quick. Um, Saeeda Starlight Kid, I know you're a giant fan of Saeeda. The fact that she got kind of a spotlight match in the opening match here with Starlight Kid, uh, that was a really, really fun match. Um, Azumi, Miyu, and Saekamatani versus Mayu, Hazuki, and Hana. That was really, really good as well. Uh, Mina, Mirai, Natsupoi versus Shiri, Amisori, and Mirai. Probably the best match uh, from this show, if you ask me. And uh, just goes to show, like, there's a lot of six-person tag matches with the God's Eye team. Just goes to show what would have happened if they would have uh, won the tournament and beat prominence for the uh, artist belts. A kind of head-you-win, tails-you-win thing. Um, Mina, Mirai, and Natsupoi, when they were on a bunch of tag matches here during this run, they, they do not dance. Not unless they come out with Tam, there is no dancing. So I was like, oh, man, because Mina does her dance with the whole Club Venus thing or a singles thing. Obviously, Tam and Natsupoi, which I'll get to in a second, they do their their thing. But, like, you hear the uh, Cosmic Angels theme, and there's no dancing. It just seems like, oh, man, there's something that's just missing here. Like, I wanted, wanted to see the dance. And speaking of, uh, obviously, we found out last week uh, as we were recording that Mel Tear had a new dance, and uh, Natsupoi has new hair. And a new entrance theme. And my exact words were, how do you improve on perfection? <laughs> Rob, they improved on, Right? That's exactly what I said last week. Rob, they improved on perfection. I absolutely, the new theme, it's very, you know, it's nice out now. It's springtime. Their new theme really feels like you're out. You're having a barbecue and you're drinking a, a you know, a Mike's hard lemonade or something. And you're grilling up some burgers or whatever. And you're outside and that song comes on. You just want to dance in your yard while you're, you know, you're sipping on some, uh, some fancy beverages. I mean, and the, uh, they don't do the dance. I don't know. I know you haven't seen, they don't do the dance in the entrance way. They do the dance in the ring. I'm like, well, that makes more sense. Get more eyes on you. That's smart. Uh, not to play his hair. I'm still not sure about it. It's just so weird. Cause she's so used to having the short hair that now all of a sudden she's got the super long hair. I'm just like, well, it's kind of weird from a performance aspect. Cause not to play does a lot of flips and stuff. Like, you figured it'd get in the way. But at the same time, Mayu has been wrestling with the tail for the last 10 years, and she makes it work. So, uh, but yeah, I thought that I would not like the new Meltier theme. It just it just seems like the weather's breaking, the sun's out. You know, we got the windows down right now. Actually, myself, it's beautiful out. And that new Meltier theme, it just feels like it's very springy, very upbeat, very poppy. So, uh, and the dance, I'm all about it, you know. Give me more. And uh, well, the one thing, and obviously I'm a huge Tam and Not to Play fan, it's really nice to see all the tag matches that they had on all these shows. It just goes to show you how, and this is my bias aside, just how fantastic they are as a team. And if Tam does not take the red belt from Julia at the Yokohama show, I really hope that they get back into the tag division and have a proper run with the Goddess of Stardom Championship. It's very springy. Um, I feel like you should be in charge of writing the reviews of the new Meltier album. Um, uh, uh, absolutely, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> and the idea of you having a barbecue and putting on Meltier's album and your wife just looking at you going, what on earth is this? 
I, I I'd like a video. I think I think everyone that listens to this podcast would love to see a video of your wife realizing it's <laughs> meltier and just that look of oh my god, what is he doing? As you're sipping your, as you said, hard lemonade. <laughs> That's the only thing you can drink. I can't be drinking an Iron Maiden Trooper, uh, you know, a Broken Skull IPA when that's I need to be having a Mike's Hard Lemonade or a White Claw or something like that when that when that poppy song comes out. But I did say last week in a text message conversation we had that I really want to start uh, pushing the, our YouTube channel. Uh, that's why I cut some upcoming promo, you know, what's coming up, up on the show promos. But I think if we uh, get a live reaction of Amber's face while I'm terribly dancing, and maybe if I fall and bust my ankle, it'll get more views. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll put that up on the YouTube page. But uh, <laughs> when when the first time I did watch the new dance, the new theme, uh, I was on my laptop and she just happened to sit on the couch and watch with me. And I'm like, oh, this is the new theme and the new, uh, the new dance. And I told her exactly what I just said. I said, I don't know how you improve on perfection. Of course, I got an eye roll. And then it happened. I'm like, this is amazing. And she looked at me. She shook her head. She goes, it's stupid. And then walked away. And I immediately texted you. And I said, I love the new Meltier dancing theme. Amber said it was stupid. And your exact response was, well, I, I love your wife more and more each day. And I was like, I can't even win. I can't even win with you. Like, uh, Yeah. So who knew Matt was a fan of Tam and that's a point. Um, let's Spoilers. move on then to uh, let's talk about Newborn Premium then. So Saturday, the 25th of March, 2023, the first show from the Yogama Budokan of the weekend in front of 734 people. Now, Velkage, who we did call out last podcast, to uh, help us out with the Yogama Budokan stuff. He's uh, he's come back in spades, which is good. Um, and he's put this on the Discord. Um, Yogama Budokan is very new. It was opened in 2020. Um, Stardom Show was the first show held there because they demolished the old building, the Yokohama Bunker, which I did not realize. I thought the Yokohama Bunker was next to it. I didn't realize they demolished it. It was on the same site, um, which is one of those venues that had a lot of awesome shows and matches. Um, they real they are rebuilding the bunker again, so Budokan will be adjacent to the bigger new arena as well. Um, the best drawing show in Yokohama Budokan was the Triangle Derby opening night, and it looked pretty full. Um, you could potentially get 3,000 people in there, but I don't think Stardom has set up to do that. I think sort of 2,400 to 2,600 is much more realistic for that venue for wrestling or Stardom in particular. Um, one side being completely blocked by a stage hurts a lot. So thank you for that, Velkis. That does really help us out with sort of numbers and things like that. But we talked about the attendance number for New Blood Premium. Um, I don't think Stardom can look at this in any other way, attendance-wise, because the card itself was great and the matches were really, really good. And I'd argue it's probably the best New Blood that they've done. However, attendance-wise, I don't think you can look at this as anything other than a disappointment, Matt. Yeah, I thought they would do, you know, 1,100, 1,200. This wasn't even close. I mean, this was even, you know, 734, which is a good number for a new blood show. But considering you have, you know, the uh, crowning of tag champs and the, you, you have Kyrie on the show and the whole Waka thing, I think they kind of just need to look at this and say, okay, if we're going – and I think they made an announcement where they're going to be doing these new blood premium pay-per-views every now and again. I think you have to put a, either a white belt or a red belt title match on there or high-speed future – uh, new blood premium tag like just you know kind of loaded up 
we did mention last week, you know, there's no Sayakamatani, there's no Mayu, there's no Yutami, there's no Izumi, there's none of those big stars. And I think they have to look at them like, okay, obviously we didn't give you what they wanted to see. You know, you can't have an excuse here. We clearly didn't want to come. So we didn't, you know, we didn't hit the number we wanted to hit. Um, we hit, we're running the building back to back days where obviously the next day does significantly better, but they just need to take a look at this and make, okay, you know, here's what we did right. Here's what we did wrong. The show overall was a, you know, a smashing success as far as quality, but as far as, uh, you know, uh, putting butts in seats, they really didn't do it here. So I think what they need to do is they're going to be running these, uh, you know, pay-per-views. They need to uh, maybe put more stars and more title matches on there. Yeah, maybe. Obviously, in future, they'll have the future of Star and Champion on there. They'll also have the new Blood Tag Team Champions on there. But you're absolutely right. Obviously, this show, it's it's the highest drawing New Blood show, obviously. Um, but when you consider we had Julia on the card, we had Kyrie on the card, we had Nene on the card, and I would argue that a lot of this card was due to the really good build of the Wacker story. Um, I feel that if Stardom hadn't done as good a job with this Wacker Sukiyama story as they had, you'd have been looking at even less, um, which certainly isn't what they want to do. You're absolutely right. Stardom did announce um, just after the first match, in fact, that they will be running the New Blood Premium pay-per-views a few times a year. Um, I think their best bet of doing better numbers for these pay-per-views is carry on doing back-to-back nights with a pay-per-view the following night. I know it's a pain to pay for, um, but from a logistical standpoint, you are already there. If they weren't already for the Cinderella tournament, you need to be offering some manner of comped ticket for that for that new blood show. So if you buy a Cinderella ticket, you can get this one for three quarters of the price or half the price or whatever. Get butts in seats. Get people talking about this show. And as much as the new blood brand, you know, and what they're doing with the new blood shows, I love the new blood concept. I think it's a really, really good idea. Um, I think it's great that they air the actual show for free on YouTube. Um, and we have got more of those coming up, which we'll talk about in a moment. I do think if it was up to me, I wouldn't have the pay-per-views full stop. I, ju- I just wouldn't. Your whole concept of New Blood is that it's on YouTube. It's free. People can watch it whenever. And Stardom are already running 4,825 pay-per-views a year anyway. Okay, there are very few months where they don't run less than two pay-per-views. So to add more in the mix, as well as stardom in showcase, I feel is treading a fine line between oversaturation um, and trying to satisfy the the need for more stardom. I personally don't think you need these pay-per-view shows. However, if you are invested in them, which stardom clearly are, I feel like you need more talent on the card. Okay, we said it last week, no Mayu Otani, no Yutami, no Azumi, no Sayakamatani, no Mina, no Hazuki. Um, and I know Hazuki was scheduled to be on the card, but you need more names on there. If you want to shift tickets, you need more names on there. And that's clear from this. Um, however, 
aside from the disappointing number, I thought this show really delivered, Matt. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I thought all the rookies looked really, really good, and we're you know we'll run into it. Obviously, the uh, I thought the three tag uh, new blood tag matches were all fantastic, um, especially the finals. And it's sometimes it's tough to put if you're wrestling more than once to kind of put on uh, you know two really good matches. Not only that, but if you're in a tag match, you have to you're not wrestling two people. You know you're wrestling four. So you have to try to get yourself over, your opponent over, your partner over the tag match over the belts over. And I think that the, uh, the four ladies in the final did that. And obviously the main event had everybody sitting on the edge of their couch uh, or seats or chairs or wherever you were, because I know Twitter was an absolute buzz at like five o'clock in the morning, whenever this uh, six o'clock in the morning, whenever this, uh, this match went on because uh, everybody was nervous going into it and they did a great job, you know, getting what I mean, really this whole entire show, I mean, no, just, it was really kind of, well, I was ready to say no disrespect to the tag belts, but the tag belts got over. But really the centerpiece of this show was really about Waka. Yeah, 100%. This entire show, and that's like I was saying when I was talking about the attendance, this was why people were buying the tickets. I, To be honest, I think you could have put anyone in the ring with uh, Nene Takahashi. I don't feel like the reuniting of Seven Kairi will have moved that many tickets. In comparison, I think it was more about this whacker storyline. And they did so well building that that people are so invested in whacker. It does help that she is just completely likable. There's like nothing not to like. She seems such a genuinely nice person that it's unsurprising that people have sort of thrown their lot behind her. But even so, I think it's really, really cool that whacker not only main evented this show but got a lot of people talking because the match itself has got a lot of praise and rightly so let's talk about the pre-show then the pre-show three-way tag team match that saw hannon and hina team together to defeat pardon me the oweta team of rena and ruaka and the stars team of momo kogo and saya ida with hannon pinning Momokogo with what is called on the website 17 uh, in 5 minutes and 44 seconds. Matt, what did you think of this pre-show opener? I thought it was pretty solid, and I mean, how much better can it be on a pre-show opener within about a 6-minute span? You get there Han and Steam twice. I mean, come on. You know what I mean, buddy? (laughs) Honestly, what better way to get bums on seats, to get tickets sold? (laughs) If they would have said we're going to play Hana's theme twice before the show even begins, I think that 734 number would have been a 934 number. But that's just me. That Maybe Tam isn't the biggest draw in stardom. Maybe it's the Hana theme song. But I digress. A good match. I thought Saeeda was the MVP uh, here in this match. And Saeeda's just been really, really on a wave of improvement these last uh, you know seven or eight shows. So, uh, But yeah, I thought she was the MVP here. But uh, nice to see uh, Hanan getting a uh, getting a win here on a uh, on a bigger show. Yeah, absolutely. It was a standard sort of three way opener. I thought Hanan looked great. I thought Rian Runuwaka looked really really good. It was another really 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 good weekend for Ruwaka, um, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that later on. Um, but overall, yeah, completely agree. Sayurida stood out head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, I gave it three and a quarter. Matt, decent opener. Same with me, my friend. Three and a quarter. 
We opened the main card proper, if you like, then, with a singles match. Julia defeating the rookie Aya Sakura in her debut with the glorious driver in 8 minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, we saw the debut of two rookies on this show, Matt. How do you think Aya Sakura did against the Red Belt champion? It, uh, I thought she did very well, but real quick, I just want to say I've noticed in these uh, rookie matches or these new blood matches, all the newer people came out second. Like Julia came out second. Um, I'm sorry, uh, they, are, they, they came out. So Julia came out first. Micah and Himika came out first. Even Sherry came out first, which I thought was a cool concept, having the younger talent come out last. But uh, I thought she did very well. Um, I talked about it before, Miyu Amasaki's terrible forms and getting better. Uh, Aya Sakurai's forms were just as bad as uh, me use. I'm like, do they not teach? I mean, obviously, they ring positioning, timing. Uh, all these rookies are really, you know, coming out of the dojo are really good. But when it comes to, like forms, like it's just something that they don't teach. Like we don't have time to teach that. You can pick it up along the way because I thought her forms were uh, below average to say the least. But then her kicks were like really violent. And uh, as we figured out what's going to happen, we talked about last week, Julia gave this rookie a lot in the match. Um, not, by no means was it 50-50, but for the our world of stardom champion, you know, the leader of, you know, the, uh, the stardom universe, to give literally a rookie in her first match as much offense as she did, which we knew was going to happen because Julia is very, very giving on putting her opponents over. Um, and she made uh, Sakurai look really good here. So I'm excited to see where she goes on in the future. And uh, I thought this match did what it needed to do. And really a great way to kind of open up the show is with your world of stardom champion coming out first. Uh, but um, I gave this one three and a quarter stars, but I thought that for your first match, uh, you're kind of in front of over 700 people on the, on the first match of the show against the world of stardom champion. I'm sure there was a little, little bit of butterflies in Aya's stomach. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's it's going to be a running theme, but I thought both rookies did very well. Um, their debut in front of, you know, a big crowd in Yokohama Budokan, it's, it can be quite a fairly daunting task. I know um, Hanako has done other shows before, but I thought Sakura did very well. I thought her kicks especially were a really, really good focus. Unless I'm very much mistaken, I believe that she is the one that has the martial arts training of the three rookies. So that would explain why the kicks look so good. Obviously, this is the very, very start of her wrestling journey. So those forearms and those strikes are going to get better. I felt like Julia was the perfect foil. And I mentioned this last week on the preview. You know, she walked that line of giving the rookie enough but then being violent enough to put her back in her place. And I felt like Julia was the perfect adversary for this match. And then adding a little bit of extra stank on that glorious driver just to emphatically put that closing mark on it. I am the champion. This is my house. And, you know, she said congratulations on your debut afterwards, but it was very much a, yeah, you've done well there. Don't step up to me again until you're ready, which... I liked as a very, very basic story. I thought Julie did very well, and I thought Sakura had a lot to be excited about in the coming years. So, yeah, three and a quarter stars, Matt. Yes, sir. Same here. Now, we did have the uh, the reveal now of the 
fact that new build premium shows are going to be more of a thing we also had the dates and the venues for the next two new blood shows new blood 8 and new blood 9 uh new blood 8 is going to be coming to us on the 12th of may and new blood 9 will be coming on june 2nd both of these shows are going to be at shinagawa into city hall um we then move on then to match three a tag team match my himi defeating hanako and lady c with himika hitting the jp coaster in 10 minutes and 46 seconds um now as i mentioned before hanako i believe has possibly the most experience of the three it's still fairly limited but i know that she came from amateur wrestling potentially um but overall i thought she looked really good here i do like the team of her and lady c um and there was talk after the match of himika possibly giving hanako the jp coaster which i think is a really nice story beat going forward um and would make sense for hanako to join ddm afterwards which was my prediction in the first place but matt what did you think of this match yeah, uh, you can tell uh, Hanako has a little bit of an amateur background right from the start because you know Micah has that judo background. So you'll see a lot of ground wrestling with Mike in the beginning and uh, Hanako went kind of back and forth with her. Um, if you're going to wrestle Mike and Himika, uh, if you know anything about their moveset, you know you're taking shoulder tackles, you know you're taking forearms, and you know you're taking at least 82 lariats. <laughs> and Hanako took all that in her feeding was fantastic because that's you you know you're gonna get hit it's not comfortable so you can kind of maybe quince up a little bit but her feeding the way she fed for all of mike and himika's big offense for somebody in their uh you know debut match was uh, perfect perfect and lady c who uh who's getting more and more reps in her improvement i talk about it all the time on this week is clearly there she looked great in the match as well and mike and himika it's just, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a shame that Himika's retiring, but, you know, we understand why, because these two are really, really clicking as a tag team. I thought all their tag stuff was really, really good. Um, a really fantastic outing by all four women. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, anytime I get to see Mike and Himika uh, tag up, I'm, you know, thoroughly, thoroughly uh, impressed and enjoy it. But uh, Hanako, yeah, uh, for her debut match, I thought she was fantastic. You really can't ask for really much more than what she did. Um, three and a half stars I gave this one. Yeah, exactly the same as me. Um, we're on a bit of a roll here, brother. All right, go us. Um, we move on then to a singles match with whoever the sexy dynamite princess is. Obviously, we don't know. Um, we haven't had it confirmed. There's no way of knowing who it is under that mask. But she defeated super strong stardom big machine with the pedigree in five minutes and 18 seconds. Now, I must apologize because last week I erroneously said that it was Super Strong Stardom Machine who would be taking place or taking part in this match. And that's just not the case. It was not the case. She accompanied Super Strong Stardom Big Machine to the ring, but she was not a part of this match, though she did get involved randomly. Um, Yeah, this was uh, about as fillery as filler can get, Matt. You know, we were when we were kind of coming up to this show, we knew that the, uh, you know, Walk and Tam versus Kyrie and Nanai, we were, you know, I joke all the time that Walk is leaving Cosmic Angels. She's going to do the crotch chop pedigree and join DX. And if somebody would have told me, Matt, you're 100% right, there's a crotch chop and a pedigree that happened in the show, <laughs> I would have been like, no way, because that's the finish, because before the pedigree, 
uh, Mariah May, I mean, uh, Super Sexy Diamond Princess Machine, uh, does the crotch chop and then hits the fenugreek. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, clearly taking. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen for the main event now. <laughs> um, or maybe it was planting seats. I don't know. But uh, yeah, if uh, you don't know, I was going to text you because I watch these shows live and I know sometimes you don't. I was going to text you to say, if you don't know who this person is within about five seconds, we need to talk, brother. But uh, hey, we have a new member of Club Venus. How about that? You know, I know. How about, about that? We have two new members of Club Venus this weekend. And uh, all I'm going to say is uh, very much like Clark Kent and Superman, you never see them at the same place at the same time. I've never seen Mariah May and Super Sexy Dynamite Princess in the same place at the same time. <laughs> No, absolutely not. And if you know, if the if the internet rumors are true and it is Mariah May, I don't see it personally. Um I, I feel like it's not Mariah May, but you know, I'm here to be corrected. <laughs> Jesus Christ, she lived that gimmick. My God, she was so into that gimmick, wasn't she? This should have been on a, a start of a showcase show. I think not for nothing. Like obviously give us Mar- Mariah May proper on the regular side of the show because she's fantastic. But if you're going to do this gimmick, just either put it on like, you know, as an opener, like some random show, or just give me, give me this, this version of her on the Starman Showcase shows, because this is, that gimmick fits perfectly in that universe, doesn't that, Rob? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She <laughs> ramped it up to 100 with the uh, <laughs> over-the-top dramatics. Um, she did win, obviously, with the pedigree. Um, I gave it two and three-quarter stars. It was <laughs> it was fine. Um, I, I was thinking about this, because I genuinely don't know who Super Strong Stardom Big Machine is. And then I think it was Steve on our Patreon said isn't it Yuna Mizumori? and now yeah i think it is it is Yuna Mizumori, isn't it i didn't know that either thanks steve appreciate you brother yeah because i was like oh i thought we were gonna get the uh maybe or may not saeeda so you know you're gonna get some chops thrown but yeah i mean i was trying to figure it out too and then i was like you know once mina comes out and i'm like oh okay that kind of uh you know confirms that but considering the fact that we talked about this match longer almost double the time that the match actually happened um i'm just gonna <laughs> um my star rating, I mean, how do I give this anything less than five stars, right? I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, the, I have GM three stars, which that means the gentleman's three stars. Yes. Yeah, I, I did think it wasn't going to I think I gave it two and three quarter stars out of... I think it was ramped up a star just by how into it Mariah May was. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, next. Um, Match five, then we start the New Blood Tag Team Championship Tournament semi-finals, and the first team into the final were Mirai and Tomoka Inaba, to the surprise of no one. They defeated the team of Amisori and Nanami with the Mirror Mare. Um, and again, um, I thought they did a good job here of putting the focus on the younger talent in the match, and for this match. It was Nanami. I thought she took a lot of punishment from the likes of Mirai, especially from Mirai. But I thought, considering she's in there with a heavy hitter in Mirai and a good striker in Tomoka um, Inaba, who we are going to see in her match with Shuri, is not afraid of throwing stiff kicks. I thought Nanami more than held her own here. I haven't seen any Nanami matches between the last New Blood show and this New Blood show, but you can tell that she must be working uh, her ass off, and whether it's in the dojo or whether it's in the gym or whether it's actual matches, because I thought she was good when I saw her before. She's way better now. 
And the fact that she's only, what's she, like 15, 16? So, like, she's a teenager, correct, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's only going to get better. She's only going to get better because I thought she was fantastic. Um, the two biggest problems, and really the only problems with these semifinal matches, is they didn't get enough time. And obviously because you're going to want to spend more time on the final. Um, but I would love to see them run this back and maybe give them like 15 or 16 minutes because I thought this was great. And I thought uh, uh, Tomoka Nabe is, she was the MVP of, of a lot of these matches. As good as Mirai was and Anami and Ami Sori, I, I just really think that, she, and she's another one that I've been keeping my eye on because I'm just a huge fan of her work. And she's only 20 years old as well. So she's just really a pop in the business. And she really, really brought the fight here. I mean, you have a lot of brutal strikers in this match. But for me, if you're asking who the most violent was, in the best way, uh, I would say it was Tomoka. Yeah, and she was another one. You know, we're going to talk about MVPs of the weekend. And I think Inaba is certainly up there in that top three. I think her, Ruwaka... Miyu Amasaki all had really, really, really good showings this week. I think the right team went through, um, and I gave it three and a half, Matt. Three and a half as well. And I just want to say that uh, Nanami, she got, remember, I love throwing those lariats. Boy, she really fed him for that one towards the end, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I thought, Jesus, that's a hard lariat. And then Mirai hit one on Hannon. And I was like, good, great. the rolling one through the ropes, which was incredible, by the way. Um, but yeah, she uh, she certainly seems to be enjoying throwing these lariats about, doesn't she? When you're good at it, then why not? You absolutely, know? <laughs> absolutely. We move on to the second semifinal, which was Starlight Hidden Karma defeating Mei Sakurai and Chanyota, with Karma getting the pinfall over Mei Sakurai with the Gianna in seven minutes and five seconds. Um, thankfully, little to no karma nonsense. Uh, we seem to be sort of restricting the fire-based shenanigans just as an entrance thing now, which I'm more than happy with. We don't need any reruns of Halloween Havoc 1998, thank you. Um, and I think the match has benefited from karma focusing more on the wrestling we know she's actually really good at. Um, or at least Haruka Rumasaki's good at, um, rather than the uh, mystical nonsense. Yeah, true. Um, folks, if you had Halloween Havoc on your uh, Starcast <laughs> bingo card, please mark that in now. Please mark that in now. Yeah, really good match. And May Sakurai really has been, I mean, we talk about all the, just the improvement. I mean, we sound like a broken record, but it's true. The improvement from so many of these wrestlers. I know last year at this time, I was singing the praises of Mina Shirakawa and look where she is now. But the improvement of so many of these wrestlers, obviously May Sakurai, even you've had to put over, even though you uh, fear the uh, the uh, insane elbow that she does. But I mean, her improvement, Saida, obviously Han, Arena, and Hina, um, their improvement. And then we're obviously going to get into it, Miyu Amasaki. You literally are taking such a loaded roster, especially in the, you know, when you have your red belt and white belt, uh, you know, tiers there. And then you take a look at the undercard. I'm like, they're just constantly getting better. But when it comes to these new blood shows, because they give May Sakurai a little bit more time and a little bit more freedom to kind of do what she wants, she really shows out. And I thought Chan Yoda was good to hear. Obviously, Starlight Kid is one of the best wrestlers in the world, regardless of promotion or gender or age or nationality or anything. She's just so good. And uh, yeah, I agree that we're getting less karma and we're getting more like, uh, you know, uh, Yumasaki stuff. Because I thought Starlight Kid and, and her really, really gel well. Um, here and they looked great as a team. Um, 
I thought the uh, the stuff with Starlight Kid and May Sakurai was really the highlight here, and I would love to see them have like an eight or nine minute singles match somewhere down the line. But uh, I enjoy this one match, this match just as much as I did the previous match there, Mister Goodwin. I gave this one three and a half stars. Um, I gave it three and a quarter. Um, I enjoyed it just a touch less than uh, the Mirai match, simply because there was less lariats, which. Uh, <laughs> You know, I understand. Absolutely. <laughs> what what is there not to understand? Um match seven then was a singles match. Suri upon me defeating referee stoppage after Miyamasaki passes out in the sleeper hold in thirteen minutes and four seconds. Star making performances this weekend. Um, Miyu Amasaki started to put the pieces together, I feel, against Nene Takahashi. And then between this match and her match in the Cinderella tournament against Sayurida, I think Miyu Amasaki improved not only over a long period of time, but massively in those three, like over the course of those three shows. Rob, I'll be honest with you, I forgot this match was for the show. I thought they were going to, I thought when they did the back to back tag matches, they were just going to run it you know, again. So Starlight Kid and uh, Karma leave the ring. I'm like, are they just going to redo the entrances? I'm like, because that, I know the main event, because they already announced the main event is the Waka match. And then the graph from this comes came up, I'm like, oh, I completely forgot about this. I'm like, this would be about a six or seven minute squash. And the match was going and kept going and building and building my interest and getting better. And Sherry was just laying into me. You, she was making me, you earn it. I mean, obviously Sherry was leading the match, but by no means did she a hundred percent carry me. You, um, she basically, again, she led the match. She's the vet. I mean, she's Sherry, one of the best red belt champions uh, of all time. And one of the best female wrestlers on the, one of the best wrestlers on the planet period. Um, but she made Miyu work for an earn it. And again, Miyu had to throw much better forearms if she was going to survive the onslaught of Shiri. And I said this either last week or the week before where I said, where they're doing kind of this trial series with Miyu and uh, it's going to be sink or swim for her. And obviously she's probably gonna lose every single one of these matches, but between what we've seen in this match with Sherry and what we've seen with the, uh, the passion injection match uh, with Nai Takahashi, even though she's losing, Technically, she's winning. I mean, technically, she's losing, but really, she's winning because she's catching the eyes of a lot of people. Again, uh, they're thrown in in deep waters, and to me, she's swimming, and she's swimming very aggressively because she was really aggressive with Sherry in this match. And again, for a match that I completely forgot was on the card, this was one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend, and it's really great to see that there's just another star coming up on the rise on the on the horizons in the, the loaded roster that it is stardom. And it's Miyu Amasaki. I thought she looked great here, and I loved the finish that Shiri had a blitzer with that huge, huge buzzsaw kick and then had to choke her out. Like She had to put the pieces together, two things right in a row. I mean, Shiri's known for a lot of things, but her striking and her submissions are the two most brutal. And the fact that in order to put Miyu Amasaki away, she had to put two of them back-to-back um, to put her, you know, a relatively rookie away which really just goes to show what they're really thinking what they want to do with Miyu Amasaki and I'm really excited to see what the future holds for her uh again love this match uh three and three fourth stars it's one of those where irrelevant of how obvious the result is you can still talk about the loser and I feel like this is a perfect example of that for me, we you've talked about the series that she's currently going through that seven match um, series, and they've done it with quite a few people. They did it with Yunagi Sayaka. They did it with May Sakurai. Are the two that come to 
immediate mind um, in recent memory. And it's benefited them hugely because it is a case of, right, you're on your own. Let's see what you can do. And it is a case of sink or swim. And I feel like Unagi benefited hugely from it. May Sakurai, massive, absolutely massive, because not only that, she then went into the five-star and carried on with that as well. So that was huge. And I think if Miyu Amasaki continues on this trend, um, obviously Stardom are expanding everything, so I am fully expecting the first 100 entrant uh, five-star Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> if Miyu Amasaki has that as well and has a block with the likes of Hazuki, Mayu Iwatani, Utami, you know, and is able to carry on having these matches, I fully expect by the end of the year to be almost unrecognisable because this match he has with Suri, despite Suri winning, and winning ultimately in quite convincing fashion, I think Miyu Amasaki looked great. That body scissors into the knee bar is a thing of bloody beauty. It really is. It's so well choreographed and it works so well. She hit it three times over these th two matches and it just looked great. You know, she's hitting the ropes and doing the um, satellite DDT and everything just seems to be clicking, which is just great news. I gave it three and three quarter stars as well. Um, overall, I'm over the moon that Miyu is progressing at the rate she is. Yeah, and uh, before we move on to the next match, I have to mention it because I'm a giant Queen's Quest fan. Not only in this match, but some of the matches on the shows that took uh, two weeks to upload... Um, Yu Amasaki got to carry out the Queen's Quest flag, which I don't think she's ever done before. So again, it's something that may people may kind of just look at and forget about. But to me, like the entrances, especially in Japan, uh, when you're doing something like that, I think it's just a little something extra that adds the fact that Queen's Quest, um, who to me are the standard bearers of uh, any professional wrestling group of all time, the fact that she gets to carry out the flag, it's only a matter of time before she gets a cool rope. That's the next step. Absolutely. It happened with Lady C. It's going to happen with uh, Miyu. It's a badge of honor carrying that flag. And, uh, badge of and with the robe, you may as well give it to somebody. You know, don't give it to them during the winter. Wait till like June or July where it's the hottest. So this way, there's your, there's your <laughs> rib. You got to carry that in your bag. And you got to go to these blistering uh, venues where it's like 110 degrees. Like, oh, by the way, here's your giant polar bear jacket. Congratulations, kid. <laughs> Bow down to the queens. <laughs> what a rib. <laughs> And <laughs> um, we move on then to the semi-main event, which was the final that would see us crown the first ever New Blood Tag Team Champions. And that would be Starlight Kid and Karma, who would defeat Mirai and Tomoka Inaba with Starlight Kid pinning Mirai clean with a star suplex in 13 minutes and 7 seconds. I don't feel like we see Mirai take many pins at all. Um, so it was quite a surprise when Starlight Kid pinned her clean in the middle of the ring with a move that isn't even her finish. I mean, I don't know if it's a case of because of the height difference between Kid and Mirai, whether she couldn't hit the Black Tiger pile driver. Um, but yeah, even so, to see her win with the Star Suplex, which we don't see her win many matches with, and to see Mirai take the fall, who doesn't usually take many falls, I thought that was really surprising. Um, I am going to do a victory lap for saying that Starlight and Karma would win the tag belts. And I'm going to do that because, Jesus Christ, I'm certainly not going to be doing any during the Cinderella <laughs> review. Uh, <laughs> because I think, I think I predicted three matches correctly out of the 18 we had on that card. I think Amber might have got um, the most right with four. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I think she did. Um, Terrible. But yes, overall, overall, another really, really, really good match. Um, kind of piggyback off what you said. I believe uh, Starlight Kid is hitting the uh, the Black Tiger pile driver on Mayu, and Mayu's taller. However, it's Mayu, and she's like, "Can I fall on my neck?" Sure, absolutely. But uh, you know, <laughs> I tell you what, though, the Tiger Suplex is. I know it's called the Star Suplex, but uh, Tiger Suplex, it's basically the same thing. It, the way Starlight Kid does it is absolutely beautiful. And the one that she hit on Azumi at their high speed championship match a, a few weeks ago, the Triangle Derby Finals, where she like rolled into it. I think maybe she might want to start using that as kind of one of her finishes because, I mean, she does it perfectly. She pops the hips perfectly. She's got the perfect Kurt Henning on the toe style bridge. So I would not be heartbroken to see her winning more matches with that move. And maybe this is the start of it. Um, Yeah, I I think we were kind of both like 50-50 on who was going to win on this one. I think you might have even picked the uh, Oedo Tai team to win just because I picked the uh, Mariah and Tomoka Inaba. But uh, however, you did get that right. And there was a deal. Didn't happen much this weekend between the two of us, brother. But uh, I will say this. This was my favorite match of the the two shows. I thought this was great. Uh, somebody who really fancies a really good tag match. Um, Mirai and Tomoka Nabe. Um, they gel so well as a team. As much as I love the new errors, these two matches got me scratching my head thinking, boy, I tell you what, I wouldn't be heartbroken if Mirai started teaming with Tomoka more than Ami Sori. And again, I love Ami Sora. I think her and Mariah are great, but I just think they were a little bit more like violent. Like when they do the um, like that pop up knee strike together, um, I thought that that that's a thing of beauty. Mariah does not throw uh, any shortage of any lariats at all during these matches. I thought uh, Yumasaki Karma was great here against Starlight Kid. She's fantastic. Um, Starlight Kid really hasn't gotten any big, you know, clear wins in the last handful of months. And we're kind of uh, scratching our heads, you know, kind of saying why, because she is so popular with the fans and she's so good in the ring. So it was nice to see her get a clean win uh, with uh, over Mirai here. But uh, ultimately this, again, my favorite match between the two weekends, this was a fantastic match. If you have not seen this match yet, please go out of your way to see it. Cause if you like tag wrestling, hard hitting wrestling, with really good building. I mean, I thought there was a couple times where they're getting towards the finish where I'm like, okay, that's the finish, or this is going to lead to the finish. The match just kept building. And for them to kind of build their finish the way they did in just over 13 minutes was just a thing of beauty and a thing of brilliance between all four of these wrestlers. But uh, yeah, again, my favorite match between the two uh, between the uh, two shows, four and a quarter stars. Wow, you liked it considerably more than me. I gave it three and three quarters. I thought it was great. It was really well constructed. It was a good sprint. Um, I think anytime you have Starlight Kid and Mariah in the same ring, it works really well. Um, I thought Kid and and Inaba had some really good exchanges. And let's not discount the um, the ever the Karma put in. Um, I think overall. Kid and Karma make sense to put the belts on. I think they they have certainly gelled really, really well as a team from the first time we saw them. Um, but Matt, we do need to talk about that voice. Oh, change. I know, I know um, you want to go ahead, buddy. It's all you. <laughs> Christ alive, that can get in the bin. Um, why on earth we have that, and how how anyone in the ring can take that seriously? Um, like. I thought that Karma was just like a sulky teen. I didn't realize she was like some sort of swamp devil. Like I, I don't, I don't understand what it is that it was so carny, so carny. Um, it just, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the gimmick. She's such a good wrestler, and even in the Karma gimmick, like she's shown over these two matches that she can do it as Karma. But good God, drop the 
nonsense. Like, we just don't need it. The The temptation to introduce this podcast in Karma's voice was just unreal. Hello and welcome to the Stardom cast. And then just put loads of reverb and stuff on it. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Let Starlight Kid do the talking, Karma. Um... Main event then. I mean, Matt, you said that your favourite match over the two shows was that semi-main and absolutely more power to you. It was a great match. This was mine. In fact, I'd argue this is one of the tag matches of the year. Um, match nine, tag team match, Tam Nakano and Waka Sukiyama defeated seven Kairi, Nene Takahashi and Kairi, with Waka Sukiyama pinning Nene Takahashi with a roll-up in 21 minutes and 58 seconds. And I'm going to quote Karen Peterson's show review from Post Wrestling because she puts it best. She finally did it after two years and seven months and over 170 matches. Wakasukiyama not only got her first win in stardom, but she pinned Nene Takahashi. She pinned a former Red Belt champion. And you know what, Matt, from the moment the Wacker comes out, and they come out to her music, not Tam, they come out to her music, well, they, yeah, Mm -hmm. they come out to her music, Mm -hmm. and she's not celebrating, she's got new gear on, she's got a new hairdo, she's not bothered about that. You can see the fear in her face. I have got to win this match. I've got to win it, otherwise I'm out. And you've got all of Cosmic Angels with Wacker shirts on. You've got Tam hugging around the shoulders, sort of punching her in the chest, saying, like, you can do this, come on! Um, And then Wacker, when her name is announced, she stands, and sort of the enormity of the situation seems to hit her. And then she just goes for Nene Takahashi. And every near fall for either team was just like a just a breath catch in your chest moment because you knew how much this match meant and because stardom have built it so damn well and i won't hear a bad word said about nene takashi in this run because what she's done for waka here you know discounting what she's done for the likes of uh, miyu amasaki for the likes of uh, lady c what she's done for Wacker here is immeasurable. She's a former Red Belt champion, the longest reigning Red Belt champion. And she's been rolled up by Waka Tsukiyama, who hasn't won a match in over nearly three years. That's great. That's exactly what she should do in this match. That's why she should be there. We had great little flashes from Kyrie and Tam and that singles match that we haven't had yet. Um, but overall, it was all about Wacker. And this match, it hit all the emotional feels, all the exhaustion in Wacker. As first, when the bell rings and her music hits, and she just looks really confused, and then she bursts into tears. Nene's crying on the ramp, not with frustration at losing, but crying because Waka's crying. And then Nene labels Waka Sukiyama her rival. That's another great rub for Waka Sukiyama. I love this match. I loved everything about it. Four and a half stars. 
one of the tag matches of the year and hopefully come the end of the year this is still in contention in the Stardomcast awards because of the way it was built the drama the story behind it and the way that especially Wacker and Nene played their parts special credit to Tam and to Kyrie, but particularly those core two I thought this was pretty much as near perfect execution as you could possibly get. Yeah, you liked. I mean, I'll get my star rating right now. You usually it's the other way around. Usually, I like things better than you. Especially you have Tam and Kyrie in there, my two favorites. I this four stars. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, partner. Though I mean, this was great. You did forget to mention one small thing uh, after the bell rang. Kyrie tried to murder the referee. Uh, don't know where they were going with that, but oh, okay. I was like, what's going on here? Um, I'm gonna. Obviously, this match was built around Waka. You have literally, you know, two of the biggest stars in wrestling right now, and Tam and Kyrie. And Kyrie, even though she's, in, what in my opinion, still in her prime, a Joshi legend. Obviously, Denai is a Joshi and Stardom legend. Um, I don't, maybe I'm the only one, but I mean, I know we talked about that after Waka gets the win here. She's going to announce that she's going to a different faction. Obviously, we said Club Venus. We said, we jokingly said she joined DX. When Waka came down to the ring and she had her hair the way she did and her gear and her hair had red in it, I was like, oh my God, she's going to join DDM. Oh my God, this makes so much sense after what Tam has been doing to Julia. Why wouldn't she be like, hey, guess what? You took Natsupoy. I took May Sakurai last year. Now I'm taking your pet project, Waka. And you can even swing it like, look, hey, Waka, you haven't won a match. Look what I've done with your former rival, May Sakurai. Look what I did with her in a year. Join me. I'm like, oh, I thought, but even before the bell rang, I'm like, that's clearly what's happening. I was so convinced that Waka was joining DDM, but the fact they didn't do any sort of shenanigans after the bell, I was like, oh, that just makes sense. Just give this whole entire thing to Waka. I mean, but not only, again, not only did you have Mina putting her differences aside um, with Cosmic Angels, obviously you had Natsupoi, you had Saki from Colors, and then you also had, um, Rob, refresh my mind, she was, she's in, she's in Colors, she was with Lollipop in uh, Waka's group, the Triangle Derby. Sakurai, or Amasaki. Yeah, uh, she was there as well. So you did the whole, and that's why I thought maybe there'll be the X's. In the, in the tournament. Oh, Yuko Sakurai yeah. was there. Yuko yeah. Sakurai. So that maybe Saki and Sakurai would be the X's in the in the tournament the next day. But um, before I put Waka over almost as much as you did, I'm going to do something, Rob, brace yourself, that I never really do on this show. I'm going to put Tam over, if you don't mind, uh, just for a second. Um, <laughs> if you take a look what Tam did in this match, uh, if you take a look from a psychology standpoint, okay? So Waka her closest falls and where she gets the most energy from is her matches with Nanai, right? I mean, especially the way this has been built. I don't think anybody can deny that Tam has been in Waka's corner for all these matches in her, in her mind. She's thinking the closest she gets to these wins is against Nanai and where she gets fired up the most and brings the most out of her is Nanai. If Tam, if Waka's going to get the win here, she needs to pin Nanai. I need to isolate Kari. And if you take a look, the match is almost boiled. I mean, you had some really cool tag spots. You had some cool stuff with Nanai and Tam and uh, Kyrie and Waka. But really, it's boiled down to almost like two singles matches. And Kyrie and Tam do a great job just tearing into each other. Again, I'm going to piggyback and be negative for three seconds. What would have happened if they would have given three or four more minutes at the Tokyo Dome? I mean, they, I mean, uh, they even do like German. Tam hits Kyrie to German suplex on the apron. So it's like Tam, her role in this thing. Was and it basically Kyrie and denies is not to overshadow Waka and to lift Waka up because again, this is the it you know, this whole thing is based on Waka and Tam does just enough where she can kind of almost eliminate Kyrie where they kind of build towards the singles match towards the end. 
and it gets so close. And there's so many back and forth. Even Walker hits a tiger suplex on the Nanai. I was like, oh man, we haven't seen that before. Like, you know, good on Nanaya, you know, at 44 years old, taking dumps on her head. I'm like, good for her just to get Waka over. But at the end, yeah, Waka does get the roll up. We don't have any uh, shenanigans afterwards. Everybody again, you know, Mina is eventually going to split with Tam. We see when they do the when they did the uh, Tam Road homecoming show and they all got and they did the group picture. Mina wanted to be anywhere but close to Tam. Um, everybody kind of puts their differences aside for the good of Waka. And uh, it's just great to see. Again, no shenanigans, no crazy angle afterwards. It was just all about Waka. And uh, you kind of wonder where they're going to go with it now. I mean, now, I mean, obviously, with the uh, craziness we're about to talk about in about two minutes, the Cinderella tournament, you kind of wonder, is the ultimate Cinderella story in the history of stardom this Waka run? I don't know. And we're going to find out. But, uh, yeah, again, Great way to end this show. Um, I thought all four wrestlers were fantastic here. They did a great job highlighting the person they needed to highlight the most, and that was Waka. Really the perfect uh, ending to this Waka, finally getting her first win. And now is like the monkey off her back. Does she come away with a whole bunch of more wins now? That remains to be seen, but I'm all here for it, partner. Absolutely. What a great way to end that show. And a really good feel good moment and I'm glad it was the main event as well because I feel I do feel like the uh, the new blood tag team championship final wouldn't have been able to follow that uh, just for the just from the emotional standpoint um we move on then to the opening night of the Cinderella tournament 2023 from the following day Sunday the 26th of March 2023 from Yokohama Budokan in front of a far healthier 1263 announced people um and now just before the show started uh wakasukiyama was apparently supposed to be on commentary um but rossi ogawa appeared um and said have you got your gear um and you know after all the sort of back and forth between him and Waka, it was announced that Waka was in fact the first of the two exes um and she would be facing lady c in the first match and the reveal is made so much better. It was obviously very put on, but the reveal's so much better by Wacker's just incredible timing and her incredible facial, fe- um, like her facial reactions, her expressions, incredible, really well done. Um, and we go to that match now. Um, uh, but before we, do, I will just say, um, Matt, I haven't rated a lot of these. Watch them all, but with a lot of them, I mean, there's a 10-minute time limit for these first-round matches. It moves up to 15 once we get to the 1st of April in the second round. But a lot of these went either five minutes or just over five minutes. It's a very different type of match when you have over-the-top rope stipulations in there as well to an ordinary singles match. So there's quite a few of these that I haven't rated because I simply looked at it and thought, I can't really rate that because it was good. But then a lot of the match sort of goes down the pan when you're trying to sort of hoik someone over the top of the top rope and things like that. So take that into account. Take that into account when you're watching this show as well, because I've seen quite a few people be negative about this opening night, and I can see why. You know, a lot of time limit, a lot of double eliminations, five draws over the course of this eight, eighteen match card, um, which is a gargantuan card. Um, but the Cinderella has always had these types of 
sort of draws and buys and double eliminations and things like that. It's it's always happened. Um, the only thing here is perhaps that all of the favourites are now out. That's That's probably the one big thing because when Julia won the um, Cinderella in 2020, it was obvious Julia was going to win. Uh, when Sai Kamatani won in 2021, it was obvious Sai Kamatani was going to win to everyone but me. Um, in 2022, a lot of people picked Mirai, and Mirai went on to win. Honestly, looking at the people who are left in this tournament, I could not give you a finalist. I honestly, looking at who is left, I honestly could not give you a final. Anyone that is left could potentially win this, which it makes it very exciting. Um, it is disappointing if you were backing Hazuki, but I think, you know, with the announcement that she would be going against Mercedes Monet with Azumi at um, Sumo Hall, I feel like it was sort of an inevitability that she wasn't going to win the uh, the Cinderella. But, I don't know. I'm excited by just the unknown, just the complete seeming randomness of it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the double eliminations. And I can completely understand why people are negative about that. I do understand that. But it is part of this tournament's charm. Um, and part of the tournament's um, makeup and how it's structured, um, but overall it was it was a long night. I think eighteen matches on one show is too long, even if it's a ten minute time limit. But overall, it was an exciting night's wrestling match. Rob, can I do my bad joke now? Of course. Where did this show take place at? Yokohama. Budokan. Oh, that's what I thought because. As the show was going, I thought maybe they changed the venue to either an art studio or the uh, set of a of a western movie because all I kept hearing was draw, draw, draw. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, nice. take that. Um, I thought the show was obviously we're going to get into. It. I thought the show was really good. Uh, a lot of people were put off by all the draws. I was, especially me being Mister Positivity, was uh, very put off by five draws. It might be a record for any show in the history of professional wrestling. Um, I agree. 18 matches is too much. I think what they should do on the Cinderella is what they did for the, uh, the five star. I think I I got no problem doing two back-to-back pay-per-views, but do maybe nine and nine instead of 18 and then maybe give the first round 15 minute time limit. So this way you can give these matches more time to breathe, but I know we're about to get into it, but I just want to let you know how I grade not only this Cinderella, but how I did last year. And even when I did the Momo uh, 2018 win or when I did the 2016 Mayu win, I grade these on a curve because you're, you're, you're racing against the clock and you have the over-the-top rope rule. So, Rob, for someone who used to be a teacher, I can use that line now, uh, yourself, I'm, you're very familiar with grading on a curve. So when it comes to these Cinderella matches, I grade them onto a curve. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? Let's do this. However, I will say these reviews of the matches might be quite short because, again... Perfect. All of them are under 10 minutes. Um, first match then, Wakasukiyama. It's like a bus. You're waiting for a bus. Takes ages and then two come at once. Wakasukiyama gets her second victory, defeating Lady C with a rolling pin in five minutes and 26. And by rolling pin, I mean a pin that is rolling, not an actual baking rolling pin, because I realized that's how it sounded when I said it out loud. It's a joke. But 
Oh, I know. Wakasuki Armor into the second round of the Cinderella tournament. Unbelievable. Match. She literally bookend the main event and then the opening match. I guess the C and Lady C does not stand for Cinderella. Overall, really, really good match by these two uh, three stars. Yep, completely agree. Really, really good showing for both women. It was nice to touch as well to see Lady C giving Wacker a hug afterwards. Wacker's just universally beloved. No one can hate Wacker. Um, we then got an announcement to say that we have Flashing Champions 2023. Um, that will be taking place on the 27th of May. Um, so we've got another pay-per-view in May, just in case you were worried that we weren't only going to have one in May, um, and it will be from Otterward City Gym. Um, it's the second Flashing Champions um, in the last two years. Obviously, that first one was Suri versus Risa Sarah in the main event. Um, match two, another Cinderella tournament, a first round match. As all of these are, I'm not going to keep repeating myself. Sayuri is defeating Miyu Amasaki with a modified Falcon Arrow in six minutes and 34 seconds. Matt, is this Sayuri's year? I tell you what, my wife has her going to the final four. And I think he's, all of us, between me, you, Christy, and uh, Amber, I think we all have one person left. And this is poor Amber. She's hanging her hot, her hat on Saeeda, but she's got a point. I mean, I think Saeeda needs to win one more match when she's in the final four. Uh, again, <laughs> these two, I thought this was really good. Um, I wish, again, more time between the two of them. Saeeda is somebody that we're really, really big on. And uh, poor Saeeda, just, just the proxy of her being in stars. Eats so many losses, and again, Miyu Amasaki is just really, really starting to come into her own a little bit. Um, great match, and the fact that Saida basically won with almost like a version of the Ida Buster. Uh, so you got to see kind of her like her super finish here. Um, on you don't see Saida getting many pinfall wins on the uh, you know the big pay per view. So nice to see her hit that. Obviously, you had the chops, the lariats. Miyu Amasaki brought the fight back to Saida. Really enjoyed this one. Three and a quarter stars. We move on then to the next one. Ami Sori progressing, defeating Unimas and Mori uh, via over-the-top rope elimination in 5 minutes and 33 seconds. I can see a decent run for Ami Sori in this tournament, even though, obviously, um, I thought Unimas and Mori could go through to set up a Future of Stardom Championship match. However, this is the sort of tournament I can see Ami Sori maybe getting through to the semifinals and that pay-per-view match. No, because she's going up against the, the winner of Tam and Natsukatora. So uh, I respectfully disagree with you, sir. Wow. Is this just because you think Tam is going to do it? I think we'll get to it towards the end, but I, uh, I, I'll say it right now. We'll, get, we'll dive into it more, but I think Tam's winning the Cinderella now. Interesting. You, got, Interesting. you notice how he was very silent there, folks. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, what do you think of this match? Matt, Five minutes and 33 Yeah, seconds. over the top rope. Uh, you had a nice lockup, a nice tackle fest. Not much doing here. Um, again, both ladies worked hard. I'm, it, you're, you're limited by the time you have. They got as much in as they needed to in uh, the third match out of 18. So uh, three stars. Both ladies worked hard. Uh, match four saw our first of five draws. Uh, this one, a double elimination in five minutes, 47 seconds with Starlight Kid and Haruka Umasaki going over the top rope together. Um, there's a couple of draws I can understand why they did. Now, I can understand the Mayu and Saya one. I can understand the Utami and Nene one, which I called, by the way. And I can understand the Natsupoy and Mina one. This one I do not understand. 
Um, with the greatest of respect to Umasaki, who I do think is a very good wrestler, I think she loses nothing by losing to Starlight Kid here. I think Starlight Kid... I don't know. I just... I This one puzzled me. That being said, good sir, this probably was my favorite match of this night. Um, we talked. We know Starlight Kid is very good in these sprints. We really haven't seen uh, Haruka Yumasaki get like you know have a sprint style match. But after seeing this, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with the uh, high speed championship if it's going to stay with Azumi or go to Saki Kashima. But I would like to see uh, Yumasaki in some high speed matches because uh, this match went under six minutes and it was like don't blink. From as soon as the bell rang, it was like drop kick, drop kick. Starlight Kid goes to the outside, so it's no over the top rope. Yumasaki does a dive. They go back and forth. We got to see Starlight Kid's fantastic tiger suplex. They brawl to the apron and then they wind up super, you know, they, they tease uh, an apron uh, double elimination or single elimination that the crowd was really, really biting on. But ultimately, they both get double eliminated. And that's a lot of things I'm going to say, you know, probably numerous times reviewing the show is as disappointing as a lot of these draws were, you can't put any fault on the talent because all 10 of these wrestlers that went to a time limit draw really gave their all. I mean, the show, as much as we're all scratching our heads saying, well, who's left? In this tournament, you can't deny that even though some of the results were kind of like, huh, really? Um, you can't deny that the wrestling was nothing less than superb. And I thought these two were absolutely fantastic. And again, I, these are graded on a curve for me. I had this one at four stars. Again, as much as I did not like the, uh, the you know, the finish, and I agree with your kind of head scratching, um, you can't deny that these two for six minutes didn't go out there and bust their ass. Yeah, um, if we were to condense these 18 matches into ones you absolutely need to check out, this is certainly one of them, um, and we'll keep you informed of the others as we go through. Um, uh, the next one saw us have a reveal of the double X and, of course, a brand-new member of Club Venus. Um, I must admit, I was terrified initially because I thought it was Tessa Blanchard, um, and it's not, thankfully. It is Xena who is out of Australia. I believe she debuted in 2018. She's uh, pretty much exclusively wrestled in Australia, PWA Black Label, PWA Green Label, uh, Melbourne Championship Wrestling, amongst other um, different Australian promotions. believe she was trained by Robbie Eagles, of all people as well. But she gets the win over Hina with the double knee gut buster in four minutes and 39 seconds. It's not easy to get a first impression in just over four minutes, Matt, but what was your first impression of Z? You're exactly right, brother. I cannot judge this on, on a match that has less than five minutes. Um, so uh, I was impressed with what I saw. Um, other, I will say this, I'll get the negative out of the way. When Mina came out, her dancing was as good as walk as was about a year ago. Um, so let's leave it at that. Um, but from what I saw, I enjoyed, um, I will leave my, uh, you know, the jury's still out until I see more of her. I would say it wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> if I'm being honest, um, uh, haven't seen enough to great remembering, but Jesus Christ, um, uh, she was bless her. It's, it, it yeah, very wooden. Let's just let's just leave it. But the wrestling was, um, the rest, and that's something she could work on. But the wrestling, for what I saw for less than five minutes, I really enjoyed. And uh, obviously, if they're going to bring her into this new group club, Venus, as somebody that stardom is uh, is is going to be high on. So I'm excited to see you know where they go with her. Um, I'm a little confused why there's a lot of people that debuted new gear here, and I don't understand why. But Hina debuting new gear to lose in less than five minutes, 
Might want to save that one for a Corkin, but that's just me. Well, to be fair, you could say the same for Momo Kogo, who we're going to be talking about in a moment. Uh, Mariah May, another person that uh, debuted New Gear, defeated Rina with the happily ever after in 5 minutes and 56 seconds. Looking at the brackets, Matt, Mariah May is someone who certainly has the potential to go deep into this tournament. Yeah, especially the fact that uh, you have all these former champions and uh, that are our current champions are, that are out of that block. So it's like... It's a possibility. Um, again, we'll kind of discuss uh, at the end where we think this is going. But Mariah May continues to impress. She was really, really good here. Rena, again, somebody who's only 16 years old, uh, is getting better each and every outing. I thought this was really good for the six minutes that it got. There really wasn't uh, any wasted motion or any wasted time between the two. Uh, three and a half stars. I thought this was really good and a really good way for them to put over the Tombstone pile driver on a bigger show like this. Um, new gear and probably the award for the best new gear uh, goes to Momokogo, but unfortunately she didn't wear it for long because she was out in 4 minutes and 46 seconds after Saki Kashima pinned her with the Kish Kasai, the most dangerous move in all of pro wrestling. Um, this was fine. Um, uh, Saki moves on to, spoilers, face Sturi in the next round, which is perhaps the most intriguing matchup heading into those second round matches. Uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Matt, what did you think, A, of Momokogo's new gear, and B, of this very, very, very quick match, considering Momo had, I'd argue, 90% of the match and then lost like that? I'll be honest with you. I thought this match was less than three minutes. Uh, and it's not that I don't want to see these two wrestle for a while. It's just 18 matches, Saki Kashima, you know she gets those really, really quick matches in with the Kishi Kasai. Momokogo's gear, loved it. Looked like it would glow in the dark. I'm all about it. I would love to see a match that, that they turn the lights off and she's glowing in the dark with that new gear. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, I thought Momokogo looked really good here. And I thought I really liked the finish, how she hit the uh, the 619 springboard dropkick uh, combination that she does that uh, one Io Shirai used to do back in the day. So I think that's where she lifted it from. But like I always say, if you're going to steal your stuff, know where to steal it from. And I really like the finish. She goes for the Nectar Peach, which is her finish, but it gets countered into, as you say there, good sir, the most devastating and dangerous move in all of pro wrestling, the Kishi Kasai. Yeah, the match, the match was fine. Like Momo's new gear, uh, three stars. Well, Bray Wyatt is waiting for an opponent wow. to wrestle. Maybe Momo, <laughs> maybe Momo Kogo in some sort of Mountain Dew glow-up nonsense match who knows maybe um so, we move folks, on then to mountain dew or bray wyatt wrestlemania on your bingo card please <laughs> fill them out <laughs> um we move on then uh mirai defeating hannon with the mirror bear in seven minutes and 44 seconds um slightly disappointed that hannon is out in the first round not just because she was my pick but i felt like she's someone that could have gone not necessarily all the way through but certainly to the semi-finals, and nobody would have thought she didn't deserve it. However, this was a great match. This is another one you should go out of your way to check out. Uh, these two have fantastic chemistry. Marai utterly leveling Hannon with one of those lariats. Hannon working uh, Marai's arm so that Marai can't get her up into certain moves, which was really well sold by Marai. Um, and then Marai just utterly destroying Hannon and making a submit with the Miramare. Overall, certainly one of the best matches of the night, Matt. Absolutely agree. I mean, I knew this match was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be this good. And for this to, you know, go under eight minutes, I would love to see them have a third, you know, all these matches give, you know, 13, 14 minutes. 
but like just the chain wrestling and the counter chain wrestling from the start with uh, them exchanging wrist locks back and forth and just the speed and the aggression where you know that they're both going to target the arm. Obviously, Hana likes to, uh, you know, utilize the judo throws and the arm bar, um, which she does on the apron, both the judo throw and the arm bar on the apron. I'm like, are we going to see elimination, a singles elimination, a double elimination just on that spot? I thought it was really cool. Now, obviously, Mirai targets the arm for the, uh, the, uh, the man Mirai, the double wrist lock. But this was just back and forth, great action. Hana looked great here. Mariah's always fantastic. Yeah, those lariats were there. Uh, the way Hana was able to counter some of the strikes with with the judo, with her judo throws and the judo background, I thought was really, really good. Uh, I had this one at four stars. I abs- Again, I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't think it was going to be this good. This was, again, yeah, definitely probably top three or four matches of the night for me out of this 42 matches card uh, on, the, on this card. <laughs> God, I'm the rest. Um, we move on then to Tekla defeating Koguma, or should I say Tekla <laughs> defeating Koguma with uh, the O'Connor roll in 6 minutes and 53 seconds. You were talking about how you want to see Haruka Saki do stuff in the high-speed division. I would love to see more of Tekla in that high-speed division because I thought the chemistry she had with Koguma um, was really, really good here. It was the one match that had the element of com- comedy in it but I still feel like they showed off a lot of what they can do. Um, and overall, I thought it was another really, really, really solid match. Um, Tekla going through. Tekla certainly looks like one of the favourites now, certainly has to be one of the favourites. Um, I'd argue it's probably between her and Mirai. But saying that, what do I know? Because everybody else is out. Yeah, there's only five people so left. Could yeah, be it's some... like, oh, she's one of the yeah. favourites. There's five people left. You know, <laughs> like... <laughs> She's certainly one of the five favorites. Um, but overall, another really good match. I did quite enjoy Kogama trying to do the Toxic Spider and then getting stuck and Tekla having to kick her to get her out of the hole. I did quite enjoy that. But overall, decent match. Yeah, three and a quarter stars. It, it, it was what it was. It was fun. You know, you, you kind of, and we're going to talk about it with this next match. With 18 matches, you need to do something that's going to be a little bit different. And obviously, Kogama's really good with the comedy stuff and the high-speed stuff. And Tekla does a really good job playing off that as well. But yeah, we did see Tekla uh, challenge Azumi a handful of months ago for the high-speed championship. I believe that was the match that Tekla got injured at. Um, so I, yeah, I, obviously they need to start building, um, especially after this Yokohama show, how that all uh, shakes out, you know, coming up here in a month. I really think that's the division they need to build back up. And I think that you might be right, buddy. That might be the perfect fit for Tekla is in the high-speed division. Um, we move on then to what was certainly one of the surprises of uh, the the round in just how good the match was. And actually, friend of the show, Brandon, was actually there, I believe. And he said the reaction to this match was really, really surprising. Uh, Tora defeating Ruaka with the Swanton Bomb in 5 minutes and 41 seconds. I saw some stuff on uh, on social media about the fact that people that were there was saying the reaction was really, really good. The atmosphere was really good. But you couldn't hear them on the pay-per-view at all, really. Um, So I don't know whether there was some sort of miking issue or whether there was some sort of crowd-level issue, but I didn't feel like you could hear the crowd at all. What I could hear, however, were the chants for Ruaka uh, just before she got that table, man. Yeah, again, I mean, Ruaka jumps her tag partner. Uh, right from the beginning, again, you need to do something that's going to stand out and make it different. I'm like, God, this makes sense. Oedo Tai is very big into that ECW, FMW style brawling. And uh, Tora goes to make her entrance and Ruwaka 
finally makes a good use of that milk crate suitcasing that we all hate. I'm like, oh, maybe I like it just a little bit better. Um, so it goes from a negative one to a uh, zero. But anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, really, Rock is really crazy aggressive. And again, another person that out of nowhere is just seems to be improving. Leaps and bounds over these last few shows is Ruaka. I mean, uh, Tora really had to empty the, 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 you know, the dip tank here to put away Rock. She even hits it with the DVD, which is one of her finishers, or even before she was, uh, she went away. I believe the DVD was almost gifted to her from Kagetsu. I think that was the, uh, Kagetsu left. She gave her the leadership of Uedo Tai and the DVD. If I'm wrong, please let me know. Um, but the fact that she couldn't put her away with the DVD just showed the fight that Ruaka had. Um, I thought this was great. Like I said, it was something completely different. You had table spots, you had crazy brawling, you just had really good aggression from the young Ruaka, where again, Tora had to use a series of Lariats, DVDs, and then ultimately the Swanton Bomb to Swanton Bomb, excuse me, to put her away. Fun match, three and a half stars. Yeah, absolutely. We need to talk about that table spot because I don't think I've ever seen anybody go through a table in the way that Tora goes through that table. Like, ordinarily, they hit the table, the table snaps in the middle. I've never seen a hole go through it and sort of that person... You know when you fall through a chair, you sit in it and the base gives way and you just sort of stuck Has it ever had to happen to me? That's... Maybe just you, Rob. Maybe that's just you. <laughs> Maybe that's just live telling me I need to lose weight. Um, uh, stop being such a chubbly wubbly. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I saw it, and I was like, I've never seen anyone go through a table like that ever. It was a, it was a very very weird, very dodgy table. But uh, even so, I thought both women did tremendously well, and then Natsukatora uh, basically wrenching Ruaka up and then leading her away was a really nice touch as well. Um, Again, Ruaka seems to be someone who just out of nowhere seems to be really, really putting it all together. So really, really exciting. Uh, match 11, Suri defeated Tomoka Inaba with a white Tiger submission in 6 minutes and 54 seconds, which I'm sure will be known further down the line uh, for some of those vicious kicks to the back both women delivered Inaba trying to go Toe for toe with Suri, which uh, when it comes to strikes, not necessarily a good idea, Matt. Yeah, she held her own. If you remember when we talked about the, the two of them as Karate Rave, excuse me, in the tag tournament, um, where Sherry's like the most dangerous kicker inside. I mean, Momo Watanabe's up there as well. But like Tomoka uh, Inaba, uh, really towards the end of that tournament, was really like basically challenging Sherry to kick her opponents even harder. So it's like, no, I think my kicks might be just like better than yours. And she really tried to ramp it up here with Shuri. Uh, ultimately, Shuri had to bring up her game even more, which is even scary just to just to even say. But even like the match started out with like 30 seconds and then like trading like almost like a kickboxing match. And I was like, oh, man, the fact that this is going to go less than 10 minutes is going to break my heart. But I'm all here for it. Uh, this was great. If you like hard hitting action uh, where you're not going to see through the holes of anything and just basically the realism of pro wrestling, this is the match for you. Again, one of the, you know, must see matches on this show was this match uh and this was absolutely fantastic just brutal violent uh and violence by not and you know very different violent violence from the last match where there was weapons used for violence where this was the only weapons they used were their feet and their hands and their crazy submission holds but uh yeah really brutal and then at the very end shiri hits a violent head kick that eventually tomoka kicks out of and then she goes right to the white tiger for the uh, tomoka tap again this was just really fun right up my alley i enjoy hard-hitting wrestling and there's no two better in all of stardom that are doing it better than these two. Uh, three and three-fourth stars. Loved it. 
we move on then. And match that everyone was excited for, sort of uh, looking back on the history of Queen's Quest with uh, Azumi and Hazuki. But we ended in a double elimination in five minutes and 20 seconds in what can only be described as one of the most disgusting eliminations with Azumi hitting Lamistica off the apron onto the floor. And Hazuki takes this awful flat stomach bump onto the floor and it just sounds awful i mean they fist bump at the end so obviously everything is absolutely fine but the sound of it was horrendous man yeah uh code of honor to start i literally i'm a big fan of that um they get the high speed obviously azumi's the uh the queen of the high speed hazuki's no stranger to it as well as one of the best high speed champions of all time and if this is a little preview what we're going to be getting um next week and i'm super super excited because these two in the uh, five minutes and change they didn't uh waste any time so you have the high speed stuff to start some close near falls Hazuki really ramping in her strikes as she does azumi really trying to work uh Hazuki's arm again that's the uh her gist of her offense and then they spend some time on the outside uh especially Hazuki, where it looks like she's going to get thrown out the crowd is really biting into it and they do some really good false finishes on the apron, which to me just brought this matchup even more for me. And then, yeah, they have this crazy, crazy uh, finish where, I mean, not only is it dangerous where you're going to have to hit at a safe spot, but at the same time, you kind of don't want to break kayfabe where you want this to look like a double elimination where they need to do this high-speed Lamistica off the apron, land it good, land it safe, land it clean, and land it where the two wrestlers hit at the exact same time, and they were able to get all that done all in one motion, which shows you how great both these competitors are. Uh, again, obviously, I was super disappointed that this ended in a draw, um, but at the same time, you cannot take away from how hard these two wrestlers worked. Uh, again, this is another... This was probably maybe my second favorite match of uh, of the opening round, uh, just below Starlight Kid and uh, Haruka Yumasaki. I gave this one four stars. Uh, again, this is a must-see as far as Cinderella and High Speed goes. Um, this one really you know, hit all the bars for me. We move on then to Mei Sakurai defeating Julia. Via over-the-top rope elimination in 5 minutes and 46 seconds. I'm so annoyed with myself because on our Bracketology episode, I actually went back and forth <laughs> over whether to put Mei Sakurai over Julia. I laughed at you. Because I feel I like... laughed at you. Yeah, and you laughed at Sorry. me. And with it being over-the-top rope, it's like, ah, Julia doesn't lose anything. Um, and if anything, it was a huge moment for Mei Sakurai. Huge. To beat the champion... Yes, over the top rope, and, you know, it was because she reversed a suplex off the apron. But even so, she's through to the second round of the Cinderella, defeating her stablemate, not just her stablemate, her stable leader, not just her stable leader, the top champion in the company. Huge, huge rub for May Sakurai. No, yeah, this match is really good. I mean, these two just, just slap the crap out of each other. I mean, May Sakurai jumps Julia, showing aggression, throws her into the front row, violent slaps back and forth. And even like, you know, they kind of just building towards the finish where they were just really just kind of just booting each other. I think like when they called this match, they're like, yeah, we know what the finish is. I'm taking a suplex off the apron. Uh, we're just going to hit each other really hard. And when it's time to go home, we'll go home. Like, all right, see you out there, sis. That's basically how I think that they probably called this match in the back. Um, 
because yeah, this was just very violent, very much like the uh, Sherry versus uh, Tomoka match, uh, very violent in the best ways possible. And when the finish first happened, I mean, this is the way that I saw it. Maybe it was just me. When the finish happened, I thought it was a double elimination until the ref uh, raised May Sakurai's hand. Did you get that feeling as well, or did you know that uh, that May Sakurai pulled off the upset? No, I realized just because I rewound it, because something I was thinking about throughout the entirety of this was in any other battle royal, it tends to be whoever hits the floor first is eliminated. Um, but stardom obviously do. If you go over the top rope and you hit the floor, you're out. And I was wondering, well, I wonder how long it is between the first person hitting and the second person hitting that they sort of call it a double elimination. Um, but I was, I was thinking, hmm. And then I missed the May Sakurai elimination, so I had to rewind it. And she did go through the middle rope before, uh, before grappling with Julia on the apron. Um, but yeah, it's it's. It's an interesting result because obviously this technically is a victory for May Sakurai over the champion. She could potentially get a title opportunity now. She's entitled to one. Whether they do it, I don't know. What do you, if I asked you for a percentage of a chance of May Sakurai going all the way into the sorry to win the tournament? What would you give it, Matt? I mean, whenever somebody gives me these percentages, I have to go to uh, Animal House, one of my favorite movie quotes of all time, 0.0. But I'm not going to say it's that low. I'm going to say maybe it's like maybe a 10 or 12%. But again, I mean, if you would have told me there was five draws in this match and that Hazuki and Starlight Kid and Julie and Mike and Himika are all living in the first night, I'm like, all right, you need to stop doing whatever you're doing <laughs> but uh we'll get to that because that was a great conversation with uh, my wife as we were getting ready for church just uh, about an hour after this show uh and i we obviously we would discuss that because it was like a really confusing conversation and <laughs> she thought that i was ribbing her but we'll we'll get into that but i think yeah i'm gonna say about 10 percent. what about you hmm we'll talk about it okay at the end. Once we've gone through all the results. Um, next, we had Mina Shirakawa and Natsupoy ending in a double elimination. Um, I enjoyed the callbacks to their five-star match where Mina Shirakawa won by literally wrenching Natsupoy's knees out of joint with a figure four. Um, and I've seen some negativity about this one simply because Natsupoy eliminated herself. But I like the idea of Natsupoy not having a place to go. And literally the only way she can possibly get out of this hold, this really painful hold, is to get both of them on the floor. I really like that. I think it's a nice little story beat and you know, it's sort of piggybacking like I say on uh, on that five star match so I quite like that match yeah it's kind of almost like you know we see it in the movies a whole bunch of times where somebody has a gun sorry I'm getting a little violent here somebody has a gun and you're on a waterfall it's like well if you don't jump you're gonna get shot with the bullet so you you know where where do you take your chances and obviously I you know I like that uh, how you put it how she's in the hold it's there's no you know rope break there because you're both over the top rope if she stays in the hole longer there's a pen there's a you know the psychology in the uh, of the spot is I can blow my knee out or break my ankle or break my leg. And I might be out anywhere between six to 12 months. So why don't I just roll the other way? My instincts are going to kick in and get myself eliminated to break the hold. Um, Cause there's not every match is over the top rope. So your kind of instincts kick in and it's like, I'm just going to roll out this way. So I like the psychology there. I have no problem with that. I thought the match was really good. Um, it kind of puts up that if again, I, uh, 
if Mina does beat Sayakamatani for the uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship, which now I'm kind of seeing with Hazuki not winning this tournament, it seems more and more clear. I uh, still don't know where I'm going with that. Obviously, we'll talk about that in the upcoming shows. But potentially, Natsupoi can be one of her first challengers just by saying, hey, you know, we kind of have this little feud with Cosmic Angels and uh, Club Venus Rip. Um, you've never vibed with me since I pretty much taken over as Tam second. You didn't really beat me in the five in the Cinderella tournament, which you were one of the favorites to win. Not only that, but technically I eliminated you by eliminating myself. So there's a whole bunch of backstory there. I thought the match for how short it was was really good. I liked their five star match better. Again, it, it was it was good for what it was. The two of them worked really well together. And uh, if this does come to a white belt match where they'll have closer to 20 minutes, I'd be really looking forward to it because these two would absolutely tear it down. Uh, overall, though, thoroughly enjoyable, but another draw, three and a half stars. Um, we're getting to the tail end of the tournament, finally, it seems. There's not a great deal to say about this, apart from the fact that Mayu basically eliminated herself. So Mayu versus Sayakamatani ended in a double elimination in 3 minutes and 49 seconds. Um, when Mayu Ibutani attempted to reverse and move into a Hurricane Rana on Sayakamatani and eliminated both of them. And no matter, no manner of arguing with the referee or getting back in the ring to sort of try and hoodwink the referee, I think, uh, was going to have, was going to change that, especially when she, when Mayu was standing in the ring, uh, sort of talking to Sayurida and going, did we both hit? And Sayurida's like, yeah, yeah, he did. So ultimately it's three and a half minutes. There's not a lot you can say about this. This is so disappointing for several reasons. Uh, again, these two worked fantastic for the last, every second they were in the ring, it was absolute magic. Cause I mean, Mayu, Saya, two of the best wrestlers in the world. But just for the fact that I, they had like a little bit of intermission before this match. And I'm like, okay, I knew this match was going to go to a draw. I picked it as a draw. I'm like, there's three draws on this show. I was like, as much as I'm disappointed that we're not going to get Starlight Kid or Hazuki anywhere near the finals and that Mina and Poi are out. I'm like, I know. There's no way. Rossi Ogawa, there's no way he's doing four draws. And he was right. He didn't. He did five. There's no way he's doing four yeah. draws. There's no way. So now we're going to see... A definite winner of this Mayu and Saya match. And then where does it go from here? That's all the thoughts I had. There's so many people that I was talking to the night before in the morning of it. So this was the match. This was like, this is the match they were most looking forward to. And obviously there was a lot of, you know, loaded stuff in the opening round. I'm like, I can see why everybody's looking forward to this. But it's going to be so great. It's going to be one of the best Cinderella matches of all time. It goes less than four minutes. We have a double elimination I guess if anybody's going to try to hoodwink the referee and be like, hey, can we restart it again? It would be Mayu, which I thought would be awesome. But it was just disappointing for two reasons. One, you're giving us another draw, the fourth draw of the show. We're not done yet. And the fact that even more disappointing, you gave this match Mayu, you know, potentially walking out of Yokohama with the New Japan Women's Championship and Saya Kamatani, your winner of this tournament two years ago, and the greatest white belt champion, uh, and still still the white belt champion. We still have more to go. Um, I mean, just disappointing. And this 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 was the match that drew that drew tickets. This was a match that drew interest. This was a match that drew people to buy this pay per view. The fact that you gave it less than four minutes. Again, I understand your eighteen matches on this show. If you're going to do it, do it nine and nine next. You know, back to back next year. And just give this match seven or eight minutes. Um, again, these girls worked hard. I had to give them at least three and a half stars, but ultimately, less than four minutes uh, kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. 
No, I get that. Completely get that. You know, if you want someone to go to a time limit draw, I mean, Nene and Utami, obviously, in my opinion, match of the night. I thought it was a fantastic match. Um, but you would want someone like a Mayu and a Saya to go 10 minutes because they could put on an absolute barn burner. But Mayu seems to make a habit at the moment of having the shortest match in the Cinderella tournament. Don't forget she was eliminated in 17 seconds last year by, uh, by Saki Kashima. So, you know... It's one of them. Like, we're going to get a fantastic Mayu Iwatani match out of uh, Mercedes Monet. So, we can't be greedy, Matt. We can't be greedy. Um, third to last, Momo Watanabe defeating Micah via over the top rope elimination um, in five minutes and 50 seconds. And this, I reckon, was where everyone's bracket <laughs> fell apart. You t- you um, didn't, it didn't fall apart in the set last seven matches? <laughs> I mean, those who didn't have Hazuki had Micah. So I reckon when Hazuki got eliminated, it was just a case of, ah, okay, Micah's winning it. And then Momo Watanabe won it. And everyone was like, oh, crap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, uh, I did mention last week how, uh, you know, obviously me and you had Hazuki, our, uh, our better halves had Starlight Kid, which was no way was uh, predetermined. I just thought it was funny how that went. So like once they were gone, I was like, Oh, because I thought maybe even if Azumi beats Suzuki, maybe Azumi, you know, wins the tournament, considering the fact that you've picked her every year in the last 20 years, and considering the fact that the tournament's not 20 years uh, old, uh, blows my mind. But anywho, so then, like, I'm looking at the brackets. I'm like, oh, yeah, majority of people I talk to have Micah winning it. I'm like, okay, now this makes sense. And these two have an absolute fantastic match. I mean, you have lots of, like, Momo Queen's Quest callbacks. And I, that's obviously my favorite version of Momo Watanabe. who's one of my favorite stardom wrestlers of all time she's actually on my mount rushmore of stardom wrestlers and obviously she you know she's a heel she's with the way to tie so she needs to be doing the heel shtick but when she sprinkles in some of this queen quest stuff and some of her stuff from 2018 when she was the wonder of stardom champion i absolutely love it and there was a i just liked how like mama would throw a kick and would get blocked by uh uh, Micah throwing a forearm, and then Micah would throw a forearm and get blocked by Momo throwing a kick, and they just kept doing it over and over again. I'm like, keep, I'm like, do it the whole ten minutes. I don't. It could have been ten minutes of that. I'm like, works for me. Keep doing it. Uh, but these two just dropped each other on their heads. Lariat shoulder tackles, heavy, heavy mid kicks from Momo, and the finish I thought was awesome. How like Micah was on the outside of the apron, and Momo comes off the top rope with the meteor, and not only doesn't blow out her knees, but like she doesn't go to the, like when she was going to the top rope. And like if she hits this meteor, they're both gonna fall out. And we're gonna get another double elimination. But Momo like keeps her balance, and Mike is the one that goes out. So I thought the finish was really well done. I thought the match was terrific. I had no problem with uh, this bra- busting a lot of people's brackets. Uh, for one, it was a great match. Two, what we didn't get another draw in three. I'm such a massive fan of Momo Watanabe, and it's nice to see her move on in the tournament. Uh, three and three fourth stars. I thought this was great. Finally, we're getting to those final last two matches. So our semi-main, match 17, uh, Nene Takahashi and Yutami Hayashishita end in a time limit draw. The only time limit draw, in fairness to Rossi, uh, 10 minutes, and this is a bomb fest, which we knew it would be. They start hot, and it literally does not stop. They are throwing throwing forearms, throwing strikes, throwing each other. At times, it's a really, really good, pardon me, good watch. And to be honest, that 10 minutes does 
fly by. It did not feel like 10 minutes at all, Matt. No, when this match was going, the way it was being paced, and Utami obviously uh, likes the longer style matches, and that's where she shines better. I mean, Utami shines in anything she does because she's Utami. She's great, but obviously the best we see is when she gets, you know, those 20-plus minutes. Um, but the way it was being paced, I'm like, oh, this is going to go to a time limit or hour. At least it's going to tease it. Then I was getting like eight to nine minutes. I'm like, okay, the only way that I see this match finishing, playing off what happened the night before, is uh, Nanai is going to go for the MX and Utami's going to roll her up. And I'm like, that's going to be the finish. And then once Utami kicked out with a few seconds left, I was like, this is going to go to a draw again. And I'll be honest, I need to watch this match back and the main event because I was literally so disgusted that we had five time limit draws. I was, it kind of took me out towards the finish of this match and the main event, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but ultimately, yeah, you were right. It, the 10 minutes does blow by. These two just throw bombs at each other. Their psychology was there. The hard hitting was there. The back and forth was there. Absolutely fantastic match. I can completely understand, buddy, why this is your favorite match of the tournament. But I literally, when I wrote down time limit, I literally took my pen and threw it in the air. I was like, how much more of this can we take? Um, but again, no disrespect. I know not disrespect. You can't take away from the incredible performance, regardless if you agree or disagree with another time limit draw. How well you, Tommy, and and I worked here. This was great. Love to see this one get run back. Uh, three and three fourth stars for me. They're good, sir. And then finally, we get to our main event: Tam Nakano defeating Himika with the Violet Screwdriver in nine minutes and six seconds. This was a cool way to end the show for several reasons. One, it was a definitive result, which is nice. Um, and secondly, Tam getting Himika up into the Violet Screwdriver and holding her there was a very impressive visual. And then she seems to hit this move with such an incredible amount of speed that it just looks devastating. It was a really emphatic closing move of the tournament or of the round, should I say. I think we all knew that Himika wasn't winning with this, you know, very publicly being her retirement road and uh, Tam being your favourite at very least to go through and win the entire thing. I think it was it was something of a foregone conclusion. However, still a very, very, very good match. These last three matches are definitely worth your time. Yeah, again, the, a lot of the wrestling was really, really good. Um, and, you know, again, it's Tam, one of my favorites. Uh, Himika, obviously, I'm a huge fan of. And ever since she announced her retirement, I've really been paying more close attention uh, to her matches because we're only going you know, to have her for so many shows. And I do have to say this, and I don't think anybody would disagree with me, Ever since she announced in her retirement, we begin these Himika Road retirement matches. She has not been taking it easy by any stretch of the imagination. If anything, her matches are are better than than normal. I mean, she's really going out there and really emptying the tank in all these matches, and God bless her. And that's just a credit to her and a credit to the people that she's in the ring with. And this was no different. The fact that Tam, I mean, really to put her away, she had to hit a German suplex and then several violent shootings and that brutal, brutal violent screwdriver to end the show. And again, as much as I, again, the wrestling, I can't, you know, the wrestling was great on this show. It's stardom, it, the best wrestling company in the world, in my opinion. Uh, again, very disappointed that you have 18 matches and the fact that five of them are going to draws. So you have a longer show, kind of more exhausting show. And when you have five draws, it kind of takes the, uh, the air out of the balloon. But in my opinion, Rob, I don't know if anybody's going to uh, disagree with me on this one. No better way to end this show than having Tam Nakano have her hand raised, was it not? It is slightly... <laughs> it, it's a shame that her music has to play. Oh, um, I was going to say, 
even <laughs> almost as good as her you know raising your hand and blowing kisses in the crowd is that phenomenal theme music but again oh, ag- just... agree to disagree sir one of the very few things that we disagree on <laughs> hey not everybody likes auto-tune in their music <laughs> um <laughs> um i mean overall <sighs> I know we're a positive podcast and obviously at the start of the review, I said, you know, double eliminations, draws, things like that. They happen in the Cinderella. It's part of its makeup. This was an exhausting show to watch. You know, 18 singles matches is too much. Even with the five minutes, it's still too much. In fact, I watched this, I watched this live at like 2 AM and then literally was like, I did a half an hour workout, went to church and then went to my second job. So yeah, it wasn't exhausting, but you had a good weekend. So I'm assuming you didn't watch this at 2 AM. Like I did Rob or watch it straight through. Like I did. So yeah, (laughs) I watched it straight. I watched it straight through. Um, I didn't watch it live though, but there's something very, very, depressing about watching a match and then it just ending in a double elimination and you get the you know you might have one or two but five five draws one show which eliminates in one show that eliminates 10 wrestlers which is just it i don't mind who's still in the tournament that is not my issue but and the the in ring for the little time the wrestlers are given is fantastic you can nine times out of ten bank on stardom having great in-ring matches but the draws the draws were too much and i think that's that's a sentiment that unfortunately is probably going to mar this card which is a shame because the cinderella is one of the most exciting times in the stardom calendar so to have it boiled down to this was a draw fest is is something of a shame um but Let's end on a positive. You know, I did call that Utami and Nene would end in a draw. So, you know. Go you, up, Go you every, Rob. Every cloud. <laughs> every cloud. Um, so I'm going to whip through these sort of previews because I am very aware that we have taken up over two and a half hours of your time. So I'm going to quickly whip through the cards for next week. Um, the Cinderella tournament continues on Saturday, the 1st of April. Um, it will still be over the top rules. However, the match length will change to 15 minutes. Um, and this will be from Light Cube Utsuno Maya in Toshigi. Yeah. Um, we have got, in terms of the Cinderella, we have got May Sakurai versus Mariah May, Mirai versus Sayurida, Tekla versus Zena, Natsukatora versus Tam Nakano, and Suri versus Saki Kashima. We've got, in the quarterfinals, the next day at Korokan Hall, we have got the quarterfinals with Wakasukiyama facing the winner of Saki and Suri, Momo Watanabe facing the winner of May Sakurai and Mariah May, um, and we have got uh, Amisori taking on the winner of Tam Nakano and Natsukatora. So those are the matches to sort of keep an eye on. And then the winner of Mirai and Sayurida and Tekla and Zena will be the other quarterfinal as well. We've also got Kairi announcing her partner for Yokohama. We have got a tag team match with Himika and Miyuki Takasi taking on Natsupoi and Sho Sekaguchi. 
And we've also got a fantastic artist of star and championship match with Utami, Saya and Azumi taking on the prominence team of Risa Sarah, Suzu Suzuki and Karumi Hirazi, the champion. That's at Corkin show, buddy? I didn't know that. The 2nd of April. Yes, that's the Corkin show. Wow. Awesome. WrestleMania weekend is really fantastic, folks. All over the board. Um, we've then got a show on the 6th of April from Sendai Pit. Um, some of the highlights, we've got Himika versus Mina Shirakawa in a retirement road match. Uh, we've got an eight-woman tag, Suri, Mirai, Amisori, and Konami taking on Utami, Saya, Azumi, and Miyu Amasaki. Um, we have got Mei Sakurai taking on Aya Sakura. Um, and we have got another surprise announcement for uh, Club Venus with a six-woman tag match, Mariah Mezina and X taking on Kogama, Hanan and Saya Ida. Um, and then we'll go through the full cards of these next week, but just a couple of edited highlights. On April the 14th, the day before the Cinderella final, we've got another Corrigan Hall show where we've got Azumi versus Saki Kashima for the high-speed title, my Himi versus ALK, and we've also got Konami versus Wakasukiyama. This is Konami's first singles match since Dream Queen of 2021. Wow. 471 days ago. Wow. Loaded shows, buddy. Loaded shows. Indeed. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will bring this gargantuan episode to a close. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We truly, truly do appreciate it. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, find us wherever you get your podcast. If you can't support us on the Patreon, we completely understand. But if you could throw a five-star review our way, that would really help us, especially on Apple Podcasts, where it just makes us more available to other people um our patreon of course patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast thank you so much to all of our fantastic patrons over there your support is incredible um you can find us on the website www.thestardomcast.com um you can talk to us on all social media at the stardom cast next week we have got a sakura genesis preview we'll be talking more about the cinderella tournaments round two three and the quarterfinals and we'll be talking of course about that queen's quest versus prominence artist of stardom championship match matt sign us off and plug your <laughs> socials my friend well thanks brother this was a we know it's gonna be a long episode thanks for hanging in with us folks and we greatly appreciate the support and if you want to walk the tam road with me all the way to the cinderella finals <laughs> or any questions comments any matches you want to discuss uh hit me up on twitter and or the instagram at matt turner of is the best way to get a hold of me if social media is not your thing by all means hit me up on the email the stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via the email once again folks I piggyback off what uh, Mr. Rob Goodwin said that uh, we cannot say thank you enough. We greatly appreciate your support. It means the world to us. Like I said, if there's anything that we can do, please let us know because it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all in this together and everybody's different. Everybody's special. 